0: Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the Ram Nintendo podcast. I'm Jason and I'm Angel. And what a weirdly busy time it's been in the world of Nintendo these past couple of weeks. Like we know I had one but two indie presentations from Nintendo. We had Gamescom right, people. Not two. One, two, two whole. We also had Gamescom in Europe. We had a keynote from Shigeru Miyamoto at Japan's uh, CDEC Deck conference all about mobile gaming. Then we had Nintendo Direct about Trigalia Lost. And now it's now it's PAX West. Yeah, it's, not, like E3, mention, it's like It's
1: Diet E3. Not to mention just a bunch of announcements sprinkled so throughout the week. It's
0: It was much. really busy, weirdly. Like usually this is a dead period. But here we are with a lot of stuff. And, and I mean the bulk of it has already been news and announcements out of the indie scene specifically. So we're going to dedicate a good chunk of the episode to discussing that onslaught specifically. Hence the episode title of Indie. Onslaught. Uh, we're also going to be taking some time to discuss all the other news, of course. Um, we're even going to throw in a Jason Sales Corner before sandwiching the episode with more indies at the end with impressions of Treadnoughts, which both of us have played, but you more than I. Um, so, yeah, given how much there is, given how many games we're likely going to bring up, now more than ever, timestamps over at ramnintendo.com on the blog post or this episode will probably come in handy if you want to jump around. Likewise, if you're on YouTube, under this video on our YouTube channel of ramnintendo.com, um, we have links or Timestamps so that you can actually click as links and do really? that part of the video. It's pretty. It's the future, and <laughs> I encourage all of you to hop on board that train to the future. When,
1: do you know? Do you remember when that feature got rolled out? It's been a while. It's been, it's like been four, a few years. Four years at least.
0: Yeah, but but yeah. So it's law games. Um, the uh-huh. bulk of it, it, the bulk of it, um, you would think would be just because packs. They always have this, but there were thirty-seven games announced due to the two Nintendo videos uh, Indie Highlights and the Nindy Showcase have we entered the too many games period do you think like have we officially gone into too many games territory 37 games in a week announced just announced
1: I feel like we have been but like just the fact that now they're just promoting a lot of these new games as they're coming out a little more Mm -hmm. like it definitely does feel a little overwhelming and that's not even mentioning the games that aren't even getting any kind of promotion whatsoever right and from what i can tell it's a decent amount did they already start there we're gonna release 100 games a week
0: it sure it sure feels like it uh
1: yeah because i was looking at the eShop the other day there's 100
0: games a month i think i think it's 25 a week or so that's still a lot it's a lot yeah 100 games a week though would be crazy i mean the wii u has a thousand games total so 100 games a week means in less than three months they would surpass the wii U library every three months (laughs) like that'd be nuts
1: yeah, some games that I didn't know were coming out for a while are coming out, like, or I guess are out already, like Mini Metro. I thought that game still had
0: a little while out, yeah. but it's right. out already. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things like, it's it's a good problem for a platform to have, obviously, but I agree that, like, basically with everything you said, like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, there's a ton of cool stuff to play, cool experiences, retro-inspired things, what have you, but then, now more than ever, you you don't really have a way of knowing all of them. I mean, there are... They have multiple avenues of exposure. The curation seems more critical than ever... Super, like, crucial than ever, not critical. Um, and, yeah, and, like, I feel like they just have to go... The two presentations in two weeks, a week apart, almost doesn't feel like enough, which is weird because it also feels like an overload, like you were saying. So it is kind of... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's... Those presentations help the games they're highlighting stand out against one another, I guess. But they need to do it in a way that make people want all of them, not some of them some of them or not mm-hmm. feel like they're all blurring together which is something we'll get to I mean this isn't a new problem
1: uh, I know it's I mean it's what we bring up all the time I, yeah it, it's also just a trends thing mm-hmm. like we and these are very in and, and here at the podcast like we I, I like to think <laughs> here that at we, the Ram Nintendo office yes. I, I like to think that we coined the the artsy the 2D platformer term yeah I, I didn't really hear that, but it was like a thing that we're just like there's so many 2D so many platformers where get either to, yeah and most of them are puzzle platforms, like oh, what can interact with the yeah. environment? And there was just so many of them. And now I feel like we're entering the realm of pixelated party pick up and play party games.
0: Yeah, which which we'll get to because that's literally what the Nintendo Nindy Showcase, the NoA presentation, was all about. But like even before that, everything you're saying just became so much more apparent from just the amount of announcements. Not not just the Nindy Showcase, but also the European one, also the ones in between. Like we went from. Like having fifteen new indie games to watch on any given episode, maybe, or fifteen to discuss from any given showcase, to again like thirty seven. It's it's crazy. Like we we like by any indica every indication is probably gonna get crazier too. Like this is just the beginning, not the end. I mean Switch has officially now passed a thousand games available on it. And that was a few weeks ago you thought it was at a thousand. We just now actually hit it. So you're very close. Closer than Damn. I was. Um I have one about one sixteenth of its library. I have even less, right? but but here's the crazy thing. I just saw this article the other day. So, uh, Game Maker 2 engine. This is what powers Hyper Drift. Uh, one point six. I m- almost said hy- Hyper Light Drifter. I was like Hyper Drift Force. That's not a thing. But uh, Game Maker 2 powers Hyper Drift. hyperlight hyper Light Drifter. Light drifter. Yeah. I keep doing that. And um, some others, and they have said that there are a thousand developers, one thousand developers who are interested in bringing games to Switch using that engine. One thousand. That's literally the entire Switch library right now. Geez, Louise, it's crazy. And what and like, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't know. But the, the nice thing is, what, what's kind of good is Nintendo's finally starting to branch out. So like, what, what's beneficial is they're actually using the news app in a cool way. So obviously, this won't solve all of the problems of too many games and not enough exposure. Uh, but they're pushing. You know, they have pushed indie games before on the news channel on the Switch, but um, it sounds like they're going to use it as an opportunity to both like highlight more games and make them stand out in different ways. Like The whole idea of like you're sort of paying games against one another, but they're all you know trailer after trailer, pixely 2D, local yeah. multiplayer thing. But it seems like what they're doing with this, because they're talking about, oh, we're going to have extended Q&As, feature articles, little surprises. So I'm kind of thinking, oh, this comes back be like a digital Nintendo power. Like, they can do a weekly newsletter or something where they highlight different games in different ways and draw attention to different aspects. So, even if they are perhaps very similar in their genre, they can present them in such different ways that they're each memorable in their own way. And then maybe, in those cases, people will buy both instead of just one or whatever. So, it could be cool. Like, if you get people in the mindset of checking this thing regularly, like a Friday, like a, almost like a follow Friday on Twitter, except for indie games, potentially it could work. I don't know. I mean, do you even look at the news app ever? The news app? No. So Ever. I I used to. I mean I have um
1: I follow Go Nintendo on Twitter and they're really good about tweeting essentially every single indie game announcement. Yep. So even if I see them on the direct, I'll at least see the name. Mm-hmm. And then just like I'm sure like a lot of other like Nintendo fans that like to be on the pulse of the news, like they also go to Go Nintendo right. again. No, but it's true. It, I it pretty
0: much revolves around Go Nintendo. It really does. Like every time I build the outline for this, I just make sure I don't miss anything by going to Go Nintendo. So that's
1: kinda of how I've been sort of keeping up with the indie games, but Still, like, kind of like you were saying, like maybe this will help people buy two instead of just one, but then that's the other problem. There, a lot of the games they're announcing are just really interesting or look really good, and even if they're very similar, like you can't buy all of them because that's just too much money. It's like it it starts to become unreasonable to for them to expect to buy you that for them to expect for you to buy like all these types of games, especially when they offer games like. Kind of like Stardew Valley, there's like one that we'll touch on that has like, mm-hmm. apparently like a twenty-hour story mode, but then there's some that has that are more multiplayer-centric, that are I guess have other story modes with co-op. Like there just there literally isn't enough right time in the day to play all these games. So I don't know, it's just tough. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping the news app. Works. <laughs> I, I wish they went back to like trickling out like maybe five games a week, which is again the weirdest but, problem. But that's also. This Too is, slow. Yeah. I don't
0: know. This is the weirdest problem, is like we spent I said this on a different episode, but we spent like? so many what? <laughs> yeah, what Steam? Steam is worse. But um yeah, we spent it's like Steam Light. S- yeah, Diet Steam. We spent so many episodes in the Wii U days being like, if only we got more indies and now we're like, uh careful what you wish for. No, but the thing is like I think the news app could work. I mean, you have to get people to start checking it regularly, and the problem is like I'm an O C D weirdo who I used to like to make sure I had them all marked as red. Like it actually go through and read them all, but I'm not as good as I once was. I think I think my downfall personally is I have a secondary European account, so um, suddenly I have not just the official NOA published stuff, but also all the European stories about eShop sales and deal deals and like weird references to British things I don't understand, and they're all in there, and I'm like I didn't even want these, so now it's just like overload. So my concern is, on the one hand, will people even find this indie thing? Like, yeah, they could push it, but are people going to dig in and find it? But on the flip side, the like anti-consider that is that indie thing can clear up some of the clutter, so you actually be more of a move to go into the news app if you're mm. balking at how crazy busy it is right now. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, I mean, none of this matters as you're saying if the games aren't good, and a lot of them are. Is the problem if you just have so much yeah, money? Yeah, too many of them are good. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to the indies that were actually revealed these past couple weeks. And um, Roy, I think like for me, I think the European indie highlight video was the better of the two presentations. I feel um, like it had more style variety. Yeah, and it like it had like a nice like I like the charm of an actual person on front of a green screen for Nintendo Direct. It feels more like personal, I guess. But the, yeah highlights was just the the highlights video was just more variety. Pretty slick new presentation. It had a silly theme song for Monster Boy. Like it had it all, really. Like it wasn't just someone droning for a while. No no offense to Kirk Scott Nintendo. But it wasn't someone just talking for a while. There's actually more to it. Um but yeah more to the point like the games yeah, they just stood out better. So we'll get to the indie showcase in a bit and we'll talk about all the how it's like a sea of eight and sixteen bit pixel art at that point. But first, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that per se. But uh first, yeah, I think we should talk about some of the cool stuff that came out in the indie highlights video. And one that I'm particularly intrigued by is Night Call, which was actually the very first game they showed across both these presentations. Like it was the very first new indie announcement that happened since our last episode. So it's
1: funny, I saw
0: both of them very recently. One of
1: those times I made sure to pay attention and you still Very totally. and I still don't remember Night. So, Wait, Hyper Night Drifter was the first one announced in one of the first new game. <sighs> <sighs> Save myself. You're right. The first is second. new game. The first new game with Treasure Stack. I have these. No, no, games. no, no, no.
0: On the indie Europe. Oh, indie Europe. But you said yeah. both. But the indie Europe happened the week before the American, so oh, it was the okay. first by technicality, chronologically yeah. speaking. You're in like Twitter algorithm world. I'm still in chronological feed world. Oh,
1: okay. But
0: uh, yeah, it's, so Nightcall is, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you somehow missed it, it's essentially a murder mystery game. Uh, it has kind of an interesting twist compared to other entries in that, in like the genre, because um, it's a narrative driven adventure game type thing. But first and foremost, it's nonlinear. So multiple playthroughs mean that even when you encounter the same characters, and they will look familiar, the order and the outcomes are going to vary, as well as their guilt. So they'll get in your. they'll get you know, added into the story and be a toy different scenario basically than the last time you played. So it's actually a narrative driven game that has real amount of replay, which is kind of cool. But uh, to do that, what they did is they made the whole game center around a taxi. So you're playing as a cabbie. uh, You both need to make enough money to just live and you're assisting the police with a murder because they hit a dead end. So you have like normal dialogue trees where you have to interrogate people but you also need to weigh whether it's worth continuing a conversation once you reach the destination. Like, there's a map as you're playing, and you have to kind of weigh, okay, is this conversation, which is more important in this moment? Do I get my money, or do I get my info? And that also is just, like, another layer of um, decision-making on top of the usual dialogue tree stuff. So it's it's kind of like a risk-reward thing, which is, very I don't know, it's kind of, if, yeah, it's, very, it's a neat spin on it. And I think ultimately what's going to make or break it um, is what happens outside the taxi. Like, they showed some basic point-and-click, looks like sleuthing through files or something i don't know if that's a simac i don't know if that's gameplay but i think you might need more than just the cab itself um and of course the other thing that matters is how well it's written since it's all about the characters and the conversations so i'm hoping it's good because like the whole atmosphere is really cool um it's it has this like film noir aesthetic uh, everything's black and white with like some hints of like kind of like uh candescent light bulb yellow like that glow like the kind of beigey glow um, and there's supposedly dozens of characters to interact with. So it sounds like they're building the right world. It's just a matter of how well they can pull it off. So assuming they do, to me at least, this feels like a really cool addition to Switch's library. I mean, there's already that whole audience that's into things like Thimbleweed Park or the Telltale games. So this just kind of slots in nicely, cares to that niche, but is still its own unique kind of take on it. And coincidentally, or maybe not so coincidentally, it's actually coming out early next year, which means... Anyone that's into this genre will be pretty much done with what they're playing by then because Telltale just announced uh, back during Gamescom, I think, that Walking Dead season one, season two, and uh, Frontier, New Frontier, will all New Frontier, right? Yeah, yeah, well all... yeah, New
1: Frontier season three, basically. Right.
0: They'll all be on Switch this year. Yeah. It sounds like, or soon. So basically, people have time to play through those. They'll get tired of those, and then boom, here's Nightcall ready to fill that void. So we'll see, we'll see. But it looks cool. I think it looks pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So, I
0: agree that was one of the ones that caught my eye but
1: again it's like I n- not enough time this right too, yeah uh, it's already well and then and things. Then here's
0: the thing so like in the same way that Nightcall offers something different for narrative driven games that maybe you have enough to play already there uh, there's this game called Garden Between Gardens Between and it kind of does the same for puzzle platforms like there's a lot of puzzle platforms on Switch They so have to Make it stand out in some way. You actually had a funny way of describing. It. We were talking about it before we were recording like a few days ago, and you I was trying to describe a game, dude. You had the funniest, like, oh, is that the game? I can't remember what you said though. Me too. It's like, is that the game? It's like a. It's a weird. Um... I think I was like, is that the game where things that don't belong are on top of things that do, or something, something like that. <laughs> yeah, because it has where, like, it's,
1: yeah, it's just the game where you're just walking around, there's like random stuff that shouldn't be
0: there. There's like a giant VCR. There's like a a, a, a piano, a piano, like, like a tape, like a, a Scotch tape roll, whatever. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's not wrong. It is a game made up of things that shouldn't be where they are. But from what I can tell from watching uh, some trailers, all the weird things lying around are the basis of the game's puzzles. So they are kind of critical. And what really stands out compared to other puzzle platforms is how you go about completing those puzzles. Because you're not actually controlling the characters, you're controlling the flow of time in the level. So from from what I can tell, they seem to move on their own. You're just saying, are you moving forward, are you moving backward, are things in the environment moving forward or backward as a result of what you're doing? And, uh, one example I saw on the Trailer is kind of neat, a neat way of sort of presenting this idea is it's super basic, but there's a piece of wood, there's a saw. If you bonk into the saw, it saws one way. If you reverse time, it saws the other way because you're now pushing it the other way and then you just go back forward, back forward to saw the thing. That's the most basic way you could describe how the mechanic works, but it looks like it gets way more elaborate later in the, like, based on the Trailer later in the game. So it's kind of a cool idea. Like, it's, it also has kind of this other, so I kind how of Night Call stands out by being visually different from the other, uh. Narrative Games, this one isn't 2D side-scrolling. It is left-to-right, but it's on a 3D island set of islands that spin around. It's very much like Captain Toad or Monument Valley where they're kind of these little self-contained floating platforms and they just spin as you move. So you still move like forward and backward and that's it, but visually it stands out from a lot of the other stuff on the Switch. That's something that's going in its favor too.
1: Yeah. yeah. The, one the, of those,
0: what is it, Do game? Yeah, exactly. And it's out really soon. It's out like September 20th, so... I'm hoping to check it out. And, you know, have more on that soon. But if if you want something truly different, I, I I don't know if this one jumped out to you, but to me, this is the most indie of the all the indies. Did. Yeah. So the game's Baba is you, and it's weird. It's like it's super. Baba weird. is me. Baba is you. And I I watched the trailer multiple times, and just for some reason, it just did not click with me. But after going and researching, reading mm-hmm. some background on it, now it makes sense. Now I kind of get. It. So how it works. As you're presented with a set of rules in each level but the rules themselves are blocks you can interact with so you can then manipulate each level to solve the puzzle by essentially moving around these rules for example one rule may say rock is push and if you use your on-screen character to push the rock into a spot where it separately says baba is you you can make it say rock is you and now you're controlling the rock and you push the rock somewhere as the rock you push something else somewhere else to beat the level or whatever so they have, like, these written rules that's about mixing and matching and coming up with ways to combine them to basically figure out the series of events to get you through the game or through the levels.
1: Yeah, it sounds like they took the idea of Typo Man and just, like, took it to the next level.
0: It's like Typo Man, Cross- Like, to me, what it reminded me of, kind of, was the basics of, like, coding, like, kind of how Human Resource Machine and now 7 Billion Humans, which is kind of switched in, uh, the sequel, how those are sort of... They, you know, you follow the logic of calling like if this then that type of thing, like input-output. Is that what this, 7 Billion Humans is? It's a sequel to Human Resource Machine, yeah. I thought it was just like another game that they made. No, it's straight up a sequel. First time Tomorrow Corp's done that. Oh, interesting. But yeah, so Baba's You kind of feels like it's cut from that same cloth. It's like okay, your input is this, your output is that. You can manipulate the input to change the output. But yes, Typo man was a very similar system, yeah. And, and then this, uh, this game looks the most indie you can imagine. It's like, you know, pixely art but like super like scribbly and it has like chip 2 music and it's very like uh, abstract and very uh, you know blank screens but it, they're saying it's got over 100 levels that's going to get crazier and crazier. Um, the crazy thing actually is it will have a level editor a meaning level editor. people well yeah I know a lot of games do level head did for example but in something like this where it's all about like logic puzzles it's, I feel like it stands out compared to level head uh, chicken wiggle Mario workshop, Maker. Mario Maker like all those are kind of make your own platformer this is like Basically, create your own, like, sort of coding puzzle, kind of. Mm. So that could be cool. Like, that basically means people can get real wild and, and creative, because it's really whatever you can come up with. It's almost like...
1: Little Big Planet. that one had minor coding in it. People actually made a working MS Paint in it.
0: That's true. The, the yeah. thing I was thinking of, it's almost like a gamification of the logic you need to build stuff in toy Garage in Nintendo Labo. Like, because so, toy Garage, you tell it to do this, and then it does that, and this is like, but what if that was a video game?
1: Yeah, it sounds kind of like, um... There's a computer program that they use a lot in schools. code.org, or Hour of Code. <coughs> yeah,
0: I've heard of that. Yeah, don't mind me as I choke on water.
1: Yeah, they're essentially <clears throat> coding puzzles, but you use jigsaw pieces to like create the code, and then you see your actions play out
0: on the Minecraft characters or yeah. Whatever. So it's kind of like that, except the code is also the game. It's not like yeah, you yeah it, it's, you it's it. in yeah, real it's time. all in real yeah. time, which is kind of neat. And I feel I feel like something like Baba, Baba's You is like really embodies the difference between the indie highlights they showed in europe in that presentation and what our nindy showcase here in the states had to share because baba is you is is unique it's out there it's weird and as cheesy as this sounds which is very cheesy i know it felt like it captured that whole like indie spirit like you know i mean like it felt it's like oh this is something no major publisher would ever release it's like this weirdo thing and it was part of a pretty diverse set of games in the Indie Highlights that went from, like, this to, like, a 3D space shooter with, um oh, what was it called, Everspace to, you know, um Shadow dropping a full-on third-person shooter with Morphe's Law, which I am curious to try, but they seem to be having some online connection issues. I might, might be, as well wait until... Yeah, until done. they iron it out.
1: though, like, another game I want to play, but, like, I'm still... There's no time! I'm still, like, finishing up my wrap wrapping my head completely around Fortnite but then and, and still... you know
0: that's the funny thing is when Morphe's Law was announced a year ago it was the only game of its type on Switch it was a third person shooter that's crazy now there's like multiple <laughs> yeah Paladins plus if you count like well Paladins is I know but technically it, yeah yeah it, it's still you can yeah. still consider it there Paladins, Fortnite, Crazy Justice when it comes out um, I feel like there's another one I'm forgetting you well. Morphe's Law
1: just to mention, like rest in peace every game on December seventh. But uh, when Smash
0: hits? exactly.
1: Oh well, yeah, that that. Uh... And, yeah, and even just me personally, like today as we record, or the day we recorded, I just happened to finally upgrade from five megabyte internet to one hundred megabyte internet. And what means, what a difference it makes, right? Which means I could actually play Smash Brothers online without it lagging. Instead of it being like maybe one every ten games was playable. I don't know why I even tried, but I still tried anyway. But yeah, I feel like. Any hope I had of finishing other games just almost went completely gone. I have no reason
0: to play <laughs> Smash Four, but here I am. Well, then you know that's that's funny you bring that up because that that it's like that I could, goes into the indie I, showcase. I could issue. be
1: finishing, I could be finishing God of War, but, but now you're, no, you're playing you're playing Smash
0: on a defunct system.
1: Yeah, on top of yeah, like, and it doesn't help that like I'm quote unquote like oh I'm still keeping my fingers warm with Bowser, but like his moves are different. Like, he doesn't have any of the combos that he has in this game. So um, I'm essentially...
0: Right. Like, all that muscle memory is going to go to waste anyway, so... What's the point? Except you're addicted it's and you just need fun. to seek help. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's fun. But that does actually raise a good point because the Nindy Showcase, you sort of alluded to this. Like, I mean, what do you think of it? Because it was all kind of a big blur, a pixelated side-scroller, everyone on one um, screen, combat. I mean, Like, it, overall, did it, it... It
1: emphasized that point I made earlier. There's yeah. a lot of... Interesting and fun-looking games coming, but more so now than ever, they're starting to feel redundant.
0: Yeah, it's like oversaturated.
1: Yeah, just that oversaturated. There's, there's just a lot of the same. It's too many. It's too many, Like we said earlier, there's four. The four-player
0: quick party action game is now is the new Metroidvania. Yeah, or is the new 2D artsy indie platform. Yeah, and, and it's fine because like this is such a Switch-specific problem because Switch is such a good local multi- multiplayer machine. And by the way, we use Problem loosely. Like, these are all, I'm sure, great games. But it's just like, when you have this many back-to-back-to-back, it gets kind of overwhelming. But it is fine that, like, Switch alone is the one with this problem, because Switch alone is the one that is built around this idea of single-screen competitive multiplayer. Or single-screen competi- or side, uh, co-op multiplayer. Or Scrolling screen co-op multiplayer, like all these things, all kind of intertwined to become this like redundancy issue. Like you were saying, I think a perfect example of this whole issue is King of the Hat. So to be abundantly clear, I'm not knocking the game whatsoever. My point here is that I know I think the game looks fun. it looks fun, but if there weren't already so many games that fit this mold, like it would totally be up our alley, right? I mean, the basic premise is you have four people on screen. You're trying to out-survive everyone. Your life is measured by how crushed your hat is. But the twist is that your hat is also your weapon. So you're literally putting yourself out there with your hat only to then have it be the thing that gets attacked. So it's like this kind of dynamic of almost—I don't even know—it's not risk reward, but it's like. A, but yeah, there's an like, interesting like two thing, two part thing here.
1: But like the key is that it just goes by really fast, yeah. and it's really easy to pick up. But like yeah, they like about like, 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 like another game coming out very soon, like Towerfall. Same right? thing. Right. The game's already established, but which one am I going to get? Probably Towerfall because I kind of already felt like I've committed to that one since I've tried it. Yeah, I think
0: the irony of all this is we're talking about all the games that are like, oh, they're all too similar. And then (laughs) here comes Towerfall, which is the one you're excited about.
1: Yeah, but I'm only excited about it because I've already played a demo of it many years ago. Right. Many years ago. Wow. I don't even remember what year it was. It was like maybe at least three or four. Right. But yeah, like that's the only reason I'm getting that game. Otherwise. Also, a lot of people in my social group just happen to really like that game because they played it on Xbox. Mm-hmm. But, and Ouya,
0: none of our friends have Ouyas.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but if it wasn't for that, I'd probably skip it because of games like Inversus. The There's a space one, space something deluxe. Um, it's like oh,
0: like, right, you have it. We talked about it on the show before.
1: Yeah, you. It's like one shot kills you, and then yeah. you take like little spaceships. Um, and, and
0: and here's the thing though, it's like Towerfall, or sorry, it's not like you. I might have cut you off. Treadnoughts. There. Which we'll talk about later, ironically enough.
1: Um, there's a couple others that I'm off the top of my head that I can't think of. But I have I know for a fact that I have at least like seven to eight games on my Switch right now that are pick up quick multiplayer right. games and there's a bunch I skipped already because of just coming out in an influx, and now they just announced these. Yeah, and on the, top it, of that. And the problem is like Yeah, like I don't we don't play like yes, like my group comes over and I'm sure like a lot of people that have like their friends over, like, that happens not as often as not as often as I would like it to to make buying all these games worth it right it's yeah because of how far apart it happens we barely get to really dive into overcooked or overcooked 2 we have really, you still haven't played haven't enough really, to talk about it on the show yeah. yeah we haven't even really touched it
0: yeah it's been out for almost a month
1: yeah and as a result like things just kept getting further behind and then sometimes we'll like revisit some of the older games that we had in the beginning like all the jackbox games and then that right. pushes out everything back even further like I mean, like just shapes and beats, like another quick pickup and play yeah. game for four people, but that one with music and rhythm based really different. Yeah, so, so it that stood out. Yeah, so yeah. that carved out its own niche. But now these other like action-y, like Are I kind mean, of blending. They, even the King of the Hat, I feel like, kind of goes into the territory of like Brawlhalla, um Brawlout, out, um, Rebels of Ether. Yeah, the whole fighting to, game to world. name a few, and there's like so all the other two D fighting games. But
0: yeah, I think you know Brawlhalla is interesting because like. Every game we mentioned is an indie game. Except Brawlhalla, because Ubisoft now owns it. It's so really? like it's not even the Indies that are just doing this. It's uh it's also Brawlhalla, which is a major quote unquote game. Like this was announced during Gamescom. And, you know, this is to be fair to Brawlhalla, it is, as you noted, more of a real fighting game than it is a uh like kind of local multiplayer silly game. But it's still it still sort of fits the mold, like for the sake of conversation here, like it is still part of the same problem. Like what, yeah, what, I, what is Bra? Like I don't know I mean, a whole lot. About. I know it's similar, but what's like the hook of it?
1: I mean, it's basically Smash Brothers, but with pixel art, of course. Ah, yeah, yeah. But it, it revolves more about weapons. You pick up weapons. It's more mm. like it's like a Smash Brothers. tries to make items competitive.
0: Interesting. So it is more. It's also more so, on Towerfall because Towerfall is also very weapon based
1: right well yeah t- well Towerfall you're just shooting arrows but oh, okay well yeah, Projectile, like, yeah, yeah, yeah the say. game is like, like Towerfall like, is almost like identical to Treadnoughts because that was also just like, right, Projectiles right. but so it's a little different but there's also like I don't know it, it's really hard to decide on giving it because of word of mouth it's like I've heard good things about it but I've heard better things about Rebel the Beaters, so it's like I, if I'm gonna get one I might as well just get that how many fighting games are you gonna don't you have to like be good at fight like that's the thing too like fighting games like at least like that if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna play them for fun with friends that's fine especially those four player ones but the 2D ones I feel like a harder sell like I was I wanted Pocket Fighter for a while when there were like zero when it was supposed to be like the only fighting game on on there for a while right but then here came Street Fighter 2 then Street Fighter 2 again among like 14 other games right right and then there's
0: that like, other 3D, 2D fighting game, and then there's uh, Blade Strangers and SNK Heroines in a couple weeks or days. And yeah, and
1: then and the Smash
0: Brothers coming of out course, soon, which so is gonna like, swallow them up alive.
1: Yeah, it's like if I'm gonna pick one. I'm also yeah. gonna pick the one with King K. Rule. So right, I, I do think Does in Rool, I don't think so
0: defense, bra- no, it doesn't. <laughs> in Braha's defense, um, the one thing they has going for it is it's free to play. So automatically that gives it an edge just to get people to check it out. What? And hopefully have a better environment. Yeah, the whole hook with Brawlhalla is it's free to play. So mm. when it launches on November sixth on Switch, it will also be free to play. The question is will it stand a chance? And I mean launching a month before Smash seems almost like a death wish. Yeah. So I don't know. But um but I, I do I do feel like we need to give credit where to like again, all these games are probably very good. Towerfall we know is good. you it has great recommendations. A lot of games it shows good, but like and the and what well, I was gonna say is the um the developers are really trying to like make them stand out on Switch. I mean Towerfall that's been on that's been out for six years I think or something like that. And the Switch version actually has some cool new stuff, just to sort of backpedal to it for a minute. Like as all Switch editions do, it obviously comes with expansion. So it has Dark World and Ascension, the two later Tower Falls. But they're also adding exclusive Switch characters in the form of uh, Madeline and Balin from Celeste, which makes sense, same yeah, developer. pretty cool. But beyond that, the biggie is it is upping the number of competitive multiplayer uh, participants. Used to be four. On Switch, it will be six, and they're making special wider screen stages to accommodate that. Six-player smash. Six-player, yeah, essentially. But, like, that's kind of, like, it, that's kind of big. And see, I mean, it's gonna be crazy. It almost hurts it, because it goes more into the, like, chaotic King of the Hat style fighter they or, or Mayhem than anything else, but,
1: but, more, but it's unlike like, the it's, other ones. They're it making has, efforts. Yeah, here. and unlike the other ones, that one has like a rep.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's well known. Like, it will do like fine. Every,
1: like everyone knows about like Towerfall. It's, it's it's gonna probably be like a top seller for a while. Yeah, but it's more
0: like what about the smaller also, games? Like how are they going? Yeah. Fare?
1: Also, because it's like one of those games that's like perfect for the Switch. But I mean, King of the Hat is perfect for the Switch. So Samurai- is Killer Queen Black Ta- 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 when that comes out. Samurai Gun too. It's another game that's kind of similar to.
0: And was in the showcase. Yeah,
1: like or uh... Like, it looks cool, but it looks very similar to like all those games you just mentioned. On top of it, looks very similar to like. Um slime Chan and The End is Nigh right and all those like really hard to well yeah Samurai
0: Gun 2 is funny in that it's literally melding it's- the two popular indie things into one package but yeah they already exist in their own separate like, worlds
1: it's interesting like that's cool that you're mixing them, but yeah, it's like you're not different. And, uh,
0: yeah, or like or like, even a game like uh, Zarvod, I think is how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. Like that, that one at least is isometric and 3D. Yeah, like but that not, one but did the pixel, ultimate, so props for that. Yeah, but it's still ultimately...
1: Yeah, it's still the yeah. same kind of like quick twitchy fire at your enemies, kill them. Yeah. Or your friends for that matter because they have... It does have a single player campaign, I'll give it that. Right. But... Yeah, after you beat it, you're just gonna be doing the multiplayer and then it's not
0: different than the other ones. Right. And then even like in the European one, there's was Windjammers. Now, win- actually, I should be fair to Windjammers. Windjammers is technically an old Neo Geo game. That, for one thing, the way the shorts blow in the wind and the animations on those sprites is beautiful. But no, it's, um, it's, it's also at the end of the day, kinda the same. Because it's very close quarters, you're throwing rapid fire frisbees. Yeah, at it's, each other.
1: It's, it's almost like a little. We almost call it like a fighting game. Yeah, There's it's like somewhere. Sense.
0: It literally is the bridge between the two genres that are getting over stuff that you were describing, basically. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it's like it's different enough that I could almost find a spot for it, but yeah. at the same time, it's like I don't know if I want another game like that. That I, I don't know. I feel like more of my friends are going to have to are going to have to want it. Or to make it worth it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's. Uh, I
1: didn't mentioned Rocket League, but I
0: mean, Rocket League is also like its own thing. Luckily, there's like no other car soccer, car. yeah, soccer games. Yeah, but yeah, I think, I think the problem is like ultimately, if you look at just the showcase, there were like four or five games in this very similar, like, shared space, close combat, chaos, multiplayer on one screen subgenre out of twelve games in the presentation with beasts there's yeah it's seriously although it's the same issue but it has it has a reputation like that's the other thing um i started to say before is like i'll get back to my other point in a sec but like towerfall will do fine killer queen black will do fine because nintendo put it on the show floor at e3 like some of these games are obviously getting propped up a lot higher than other ones and there's this whole conversation that was happening on twitter with jules watson and some other developers where basically it's like nintendo's like, how does Nintendo, like, choose which to promote? How do they decide which are better than others? Because it's not about the quality of the game. Some bad ones get a lot of attention. Some good ones don't get any attention. So it's just kind of this weird thing where they're all fighting one another and ultimately when a quarter to a third of your presentation, a third, it was like four or five games, of your presentation is all the same type of game, how, as Nintendo, do you even decide how to elevate them or whatnot? Like, what, make, what made Killer Queen Black, I guess maybe it's reputation in the arcade scene, but and it is very fun, but what made that, let's say... The one that goes on the show floor, while Towerfall was not, which also has a good reputation. I, you could argue Killer Queen Black maybe because it's a console exclusive and I guess it's never isn't. been an, in a console game. That, I didn't yeah, even okay, know that it, exi- it That I, would do it. That would do it. Because I but. didn't even know
1: it existed. I thought it was a brand new game, and then I'm like, "Oh, it's an old thing." Right. Yeah. Interesting.
0: But like, or like something like, uh, you know, to go back to the idea of um... Paladin thing. No. Not, but, well, yeah. Or yeah, Even that. So like. Well, actually, they had Paladins and Fortnite, so there you go. They were both there. But I was just guess to say, like, there's other games in the genre that can Yeah, but why Fortnite to... have to be there?
1: Because it's the well, biggest know, game yeah. on the planet. <laughs> uh,
0: they geez. took over not one but two stadiums at E3. One for the tourney, one for the after party. It's insane. But anyway, yeah, so we, you know, it's... We'll see. We'll see. But we, we know what's kind of interesting about Windjammers, since we mentioned it. Uh, the team reviving Windjammers... Windjammers itself is a revival, but the team reviving it, uh, Dot Emu... They're also the guys who are reviving Streets of Rage for Sega now, with Streets of Rage 4. And this season, there seems to be this sudden trend that ju- I'd seem to kind of happen around Gamescom. This sudden trend of publishers bringing back old franchises in kind of like hands-off or lower-budget ways. Like, Gung-Ho's doing it with the Grandia RPGs. They're getting HD remasters. Not remakes, just remasters, Capcom finally HDifying ifying uh, Onimusha Warlords, which is from 2001. It's from the launch of the PS2 and now it's gonna be in HD, but the exact same game, like even down to the clunky controls, apparently. So, there's this trend happening that Windjammers is hopping on, but what's nice is, in the case of Windjammers and the Streets of Rage uh, sequel, which we don't know if it's coming to Switch, but I'm sure it's coming to Switch, is Sega seems to actually be going one step further and actually having other teams... Who are truly passionate about their games do the reboots on their behalf you know we saw it with sonic mania for example they hired like one of the best sonic fan game guys and had him do it we're seeing it presumably with how windjammers 2 will turn out next year and presumably how street 3 4 will turn out so it's kind of it's, it's this is more of an aside from what we were talking about before but It's just kind of interesting that there seems to be this big influx of remember that here it is again or remember that we're just gonna let a fan that grew up with it make it for us now like my my hope is super monkey Ball. They're usually
1: the next. they're usually the best kind of people to make. I it's mean true, so I mean very good. It's, well, I mean just hiring um people that grew up with the yeah. stuff. I mean sometimes it's not a good idea. Like I'll I'll give there's some cartoons out there that are made by people that grew up with some of the cartoons we grew up with and some of the quality is not the best. Right. But where it does really make sense is um action figures. A lot of people that grew up with Ninja Turtle toys, like I did really wanted some stuff with more articulation or toys that just look like it did in the cartoon. But now the people that grew up with them are making them and they actually make them look like the cartoon. Right. Which is like, whoa, it's awesome, man. It makes you really appreciate right,
0: it. Right, right. Yeah, that seems like something because the action figures were I wouldn't say they were new when we were kids, but the concept of them is yeah, not... Even the fact not that the it's just, a recent figures. thing. It's like, like
1: yeah. oh, man, you want a, a super... $600. Ac- yeah, you want an accurate like $11 toy? Like, no, nah, man, we're going to give you a... Like one six scale, superposable, like a million accessories to recreate the specific shot from the from the TV show or movie, but it's gonna be like two three hundred bucks.
0: And then you to put it on your shelf and never recreate any shot but the one he's and I'm posed like, in. And I'm like,
1: damn, that's cheap. But
0: <laughs> that's cheap, yeah.
1: Hey, man. Man.
0: I mean, it's all relative. Hand
1: painted, yeah. all that stuff. That's true. Yeah, actually, yeah, for the amount of
0: work it goes. Yeah, into for this. the amount of work that goes in, it's
1: it's pretty nuts. Engineering and all that stuff, especially for the Transformers. Jesus, what <laughs> yeah, is yeah, the masterpiece are, ones? Yeah. Right.
0: You know, my hope is that this idea of taking the younger and letting them build new things in the worlds they appreciate, I'm hoping... Or not necessarily the younger, but just fans. I kind of want Super Monkey Ball to get that treatment. So I was to say before. It never will. I, I, I mean, it might not... There's actually an indie... They just announced a game called Marble It Up for Switch. It comes out, I think, next month, this month. We're in September now, this month. And it's not Monkey Ball. I mean, it doesn't have a monkey inside a ball. But gameplay-wise, it does look pretty similar. I'm not saying they should graph Monkey Ball on this. I'm just saying at least... If I don't get Monkey Ball, like you think I won't, at least I have this alternative. Because, like, you know, you're still navigating weirdly shaped tracks. Uh, there's still a, a time limit they have to work within. They have to try and get over ramps and through tunnels and yada yada and whatnot. And there's boosts and jumps and that sort of thing. But what's kind of interesting in this one is they're also doing a power-up system you can use in the levels themselves. So there's no bananas to connect, co- connect, collect, because there's no monkeys. But instead, they're putting other things on the levels that affect it. So, like... Who knows if it's actually going to be of the caliber of Monkey Ball? I can hold out hope. It seems like they're modernizing a lot of stuff. It'll have ghost data. It'll have online leaderboards, all that. But you know, it's on. It's on the right track. No pun intended. At least so. Maybe, like maybe, maybe Sega will see this and be like, "Yeah, we should bring back Monkey Ball and get someone to do it, Song Mania style." Monkey or Ball Mania, Monkey maybe Mania. Maybe this should bring
1: back Monkey, Monkey Ball in the same way that they brought
0: back like a super gritty, dark reboot. No, you mean like Barman Act Zero?
1: Yes, exactly. I want Barman Act Zero, but for Monkey Ball. Like realistic monkeys.
0: Oh, that's weird. Do they still wear the shirts with no pants?
1: No, we're going to try to make it... They're, they're going to try to justify like everything realistic. So instead of, I guess, these colorful capsules, I guess they'll be cages?
0: Ooh, this is weird. And I guess, PETA's going to be all over this. And I guess it'll
1: be like a... Like a murder coliseum dome or something, where like there's a bunch of. Thunderdome. Uh, entered the a thunder. There you dome. go. Like yeah, like a thunder dome kind of deal, and the monkeys have to make it through the obstacle course, or they die or something. there's like spikes on the bottom. This is something.
0: both the best and worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard for a reboot. So I hope I okay. I hope Sega does two things. I hope they do what kind I mean, of do with bomb me. and it also feels like it's gonna one bomb one horribly. Then, yeah,
1: but I don't know, give it the best physics and it'll be like a very perplexing game for people to play.
0: Like man, this game would you even controls- still call it Super Monkey Ball? Because if they're, be, I guess you um, would. Ultimate monkey ball? Oh. Uh, yeah. Monkey Death Ball. No, that doesn't work. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's my dream. Not that. <laughs> Normal monkey ball. <laughs> but but we'll see. Um the, the thing kinda of to our earlier point, I feel like we got sidetracked about um like fans making games, but to the earlier point about all the games being the same. Uh you know what's crazy? It wasn't even just what was in the showcase. There is stuff outside of it, too, on a high level. Like, a high, high level. Like, indie game royalty levels. Like, Shovel Knight is now making a game that fits this exact mold. It's like, why? I mean, it looks cool, but it's just kind of like, why? (laughs) So, Yacht Club Games, they revealed this past week that um, they have one more surprise game planned for Shovel Knight. They're calling it Shovel Knight Showdown. And like I said, it's a local multiplayer, single-screen, competitive mode. So they're really... It's a free update for everyone who who has Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. But it's also going to be $10 Uh,
1: It looks like a simplified Rivals of
0: Ether, like a slightly more complex um, King of the Hat. And it does look fun. Like, all of these look fun. Every game we've talked about, we brought up because it stuck with us because it's probably fun. But they all look so, like, similar. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. Like, like for Showdown, Yacht Club Games is, like, kind of doing some interesting stuff. It's not just that one mode. I mean, you know, they'll have 16 different playable knights and all that. Some for the very first time. But you'll be fighting on stages from throughout the rest of the game, so it's kind of almost like an internal Smash Bros. situation. Uh, you can either play against AI or other oh, people. Oh, so
1: that's like Shrek fairy Tale Freakdown.
0: Yes, that game that everyone just always has at the tip of their tongue, ready to bring up in a moment's notice. Yes. Yes. I I, I barely even remember that game. If, remember when Shrek had a kart racer?
1: A few of me... I, think if, I know like uh, many years later it got like a like a resurgence, and then it got a competitive scene, and there's like an actual meta for it. Really? Yeah, it's like, it started off with an
0: ironic joke, and then I guess it just became a thing. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, so it is like that, except it has multiple modes. I don't know if that had multiple modes, but this has multiple modes. So that's why I was starting to say. It sounds like you're actually trying to put more effort into it. So there's standard... Showdowns, but there's also like a gem clash mode where you have to. It's like it's also like Killer Queen Black, where it's less about so Knight, fighting each other and collecting. So gems Shovel Knight the
1: Treasure Trove, yes, has yes, 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 showdown inside of it, and some other stuff. Yes. Yeah, so what's gonna happen? Is it like
0: this is where it gets really confusing?
1: Is it like the Shovel Knight collection where it has yeah. Shovel Knight every Shovel Knight game ever? Right? So
0: the plan is, and luckily for other indies, this is the plan because while showdown, while showdown will be sold on its own, um. It's mainly going to be bundled with the other stuff. So you're really getting it if you want the whole package. But it will be Treasure Trove, as we currently know it. And then it will also have the new... Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, King of Cards. So basically where he plays one of the other knights. So basically you get three separate Shovel Knight games. Plus Showdown Mode. For like 30 bucks as a single package. But if you already bought Treasure Trove, King of Knights, Or, uh, yeah, King of Cards. Not King of Knights, King of Cards and... Showdown will be free downloads simultaneously on the same day of April 9th, 2019. This is very far out. That same day is also when they're releasing a three pack of the Plague Knight, Spectre Knight, and King Knight, which I can only assume are the ones from each of the little spin off things that are included in Treasure Trove. So there, there's a whole world building going on here. And I, I mean, like, really world building, because one of the other things I did mention is um, Showdown will have a single player mode where they have every knight has specific challenges. Against specific opponents and rivals and mini games and a final boss. And there's like a story that you go through the fighting. So they're, they're putting an effort here. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like, why are they putting an effort in that specific genre that everyone else is already doing?
1: I mean, I guess it's not
0: to knock it. I'm sure it'll be fun. It's just, there's so many I of them. Makes
1: sense. I mean, I guess they didn't really have to do much. The gameplay itself would only really fit a fighter yep. type game. If, That's true. If it's not a platformer. I mean, it's like they wrote themselves into a corner. You no, know what they should
0: have done? They should have used the king of cards' name literally and made a card game. A Hearthstone-style card game, but all Shovel Knight. Oh, wow. That could have been just, interesting. Just saying. Not, no one can paint Baby in a corner or whatever that expression is. That thing from Dirty Dancing. is like, yeah, no, there's a way around it. And, yeah, like, just to reiterate, because I feel like we've talked – it sounds like we're being so negative – it's really cool there's all support. I don't think either of us are saying any of these games that are kind of similar are bad. Like, I know the developers are proud of them, of what they're building. Man, they're...
1: I spent too much money on a lot of similar games exactly. that I don't feel I need anymore.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of like they're pouring their hearts and souls so into like, these sorry, games. but It's like, but I'm full. Yeah, we already support those games. Like, we, there's only so many times you can eat dinner in a single night. Yep. Usually the answer is once, but it's kind of like that. And I bet, like, on their own merits, these are all great games, but it's the same issue. It's just like, you know, you're not going to have five desserts. Actually, I would love to have five desserts, but... Yeah, what's promising and more exciting, I think, is that there were still some games that are trying to do something new or unique even within this sphere of single-screen, multiplayer, competitive, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think one example from the showcase actually is a game called Treasure Stack, which ultimately is just a merger of this whole single-screen platforming idea that we keep talking about but with a traditional falling-block puzzle game. So on their on, its on those two merits individually, it's like, oh, we have a lot of those. But combining them, like you still have all the traditional puzzle mechanics. You're still trying to fill your opponent's screen with garbage blocks until you know their cup runneth over. But instead of controlling the blocks as they fall, you're actually playing as a guy platforming on top of the blocks and using a grappling hook to pull them down to where you are to form the the things that make them go away. So like that, you know, on the two halves of that, sure, maybe they don't stand out, but when you combine them. At least on some level, it's a little more new and different feeling, you know? Like, it does sort of pop out and yeah, see of all the scenes.
1: definitely Like, I like the way yeah. they use the grappling hook to, like, bring box in. Like, it, re- it just reminds me of this, like, TI-36 game called Block Man.
0: I believe you mean 83. 84. Well, it wasn't 36. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right eighty four yeah eighty four you correct like how you, cor- like you corrected my correction with something totally different than what you said as if you <laughs> never said the first thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: me too yeah or the silver edition that one yeah. was nice but yeah, uh, that was, that was standard. Yeah, I remember. and it was, I and it was the same sword. premise like these blocks fall on top of you and you just have to like position them so you could like get out of there it was like the only platform box I can game I knew about and then when I saw this and I'm like oh that's cool it's like they brought that hey, there!
0: It's that nostalgia wave they're riding. Yeah. But what, what's kind of interesting about this is so basically, if you want to run with the block man analogy, they are modernizing it. So it's multiplayer. It has cross-play. It has online play. There's um, a single player survival mode, and that's it. There's no like. It doesn't seem like there's much beyond the multiplayer and like a single player. Yeah. How long can you go? But nonetheless, the battle royale mode. Yeah, but it's it's uh yeah. There's secretly a mode where, as the screen closes in, you have to eliminate as many blocks so there's one block standing. But no, it's um yeah, it does offer something new and kinda different, so it should be cool. I it stands out at least. And uh, I perhaps, you know, perhaps a better example, something that actually is taking an idea we're very familiar with on Switch, but presenting it in a very different way, is a game this wasn't even in the showcase. It was announced a couple days later, but it's called TikTok A Tale of Two. So it's a narrative adventure. You know, kinda like Night Call is but it very cleverly uses the idea of Switch being a big place for co-op games by literally 100% being a co-op game. However, it's not a traditional one where it's you and a friend on one screen. You're actually on separate devices. You don't even have to be on the same system. It's, it's cross-play. And you have one part of the game on your screen or one part of the game world or some representation of game world and your friend will have a different representation or like a companion representation and together you need to identify the puzzles solve them move on to the next level it's it's all very much uh, in the vein of keep talking and nobody explodes but the difference is that's the one where you help defuse a bomb well we should have impressions of it soon we have we had the game so stay tuned for that but um the difference with this one compared to that is this goes one step further because it's not one person playing a game and someone basically being the player's guide for them you're both simultaneously playing the game but like with keep talking um you can play it in any capacity you can be on next to each other in a room you can be far away online as long as you have a voice connection so it's it, it's cool it's you know besides just sounding really cool i think it would have done is it could have breathed a lot of light uh, variety into the showcase Like, if they just swapped out one, or even just, they didn't even need to swap one out. If they just put this one in as game number 13 in a showcase, like, it would have added a lot, I feel like. It's coming out this winter. It totally qualifies to be in the time frame of the showcase that it was, you know, focusing on. But yeah, it just would have, it would have just helped to better represent the actual variety of indies that are on the Switch. Versus the ocean, because we're talking so much about oh, all the games look the same. But to be fair, there are a lot that, like Mini Metro, you re- re- uh, referenced that earlier. That's very different that from everything a else.
1: Really weird trailer. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes,
0: but that's like nothing else don't on get Switch. It. I I don't know. I have Mini Metro. Are, they, my are they
1: playing like on a TV? And that's just what you do. You kind of dance. It turns into a rhythm game or something. It's
0: I wait what. I don't know if I've seen the same trailer as you. Mini Metro is about building a subway system. Why yeah, are they that's dancing? What, that's what the trailer starts with. It starts
1: with a woman like playing Mini Metro on her Switch. And then she looks over at this older man across from her. And then she removes the Joy-Cons. And then he pulls two Joy-Cons out of nowhere. And you don't they, keep Joy-Cons in your pockets at all times? And then they stare at, like I guess, the Metro map, but on the side of the bus. On the mm. inside side of the yeah, bus. Yeah. And then they're just adding stuff to it, but they're doing it while dancing. And then this other guy comes in, and he also starts dancing and it adds lines. And this other person comes in. know other so, reminds me of. So I can only assume that would be like the TV, and everyone's controlling their own metro line. But I don't even know if it has multiplayer. It's very. It I mean, I figured it has four-player multiplayer because that's what the thing was implying.
0: Well, now I got me curious. So, you know what we'll do? We will add a link to this trailer on the blog post for anyone who wants to watch it. Because somehow I missed it, and I'm really curious. Yeah, it's really it weird. reminds me of. You know what it reminds me of? Um, do you remember when the Wii was unveiled at E3, or the Wii lineup was unveiled at E3 2006? and Miyamoto conducted the unveiling. So he was out there in a tux and he had a baton. He had a Wiimote as his like baton and he started conducting it. First it was Wii music. So just like some Mii's playing. And then it went like and turned into red steel and excite truck. And he was conducting um, a guy with a gun shooting Japanese mobsters and a truck journeying through mountains. But he's conducting it like it was music. Like it was super bizarre. And it sounds just like what they are channeling for a Main Metro, except that one was multiple. People. Maybe, but yeah. yeah, it's that's kind of funny. Yeah, but um, my point is if they put more games like that in the showcase, I feel like that would have been useful. Like to be fair, there was a pair of games in the showcase that did the trick for me on some level. Like these are ones that stood out; they were unique. You kind of referenced one of them already, but um, I mean they could have done a lot more. Like the more the merrier for something like this. So to give credit where it's due. Let's talk about the two that actually stuck out. The first is um Mineko's night market. Which you did name drop earlier. Mineko's Mineko's. You, you heard me you heard me pause for a while to decide how to pronounce it, <laughs> and then I still went with the wrong one. But yeah, I like to me wait, what does it mean? Mineko means cat. Oh, because everything's cats in the game. Wait, so it's like weirdly like Campbell so it's a cat that's running at her night market, but she also plucks cats out of the ground to sell. Yeah, it's weird. Wow, that's dark. That's real. No wonder it's a night market. That is dark. Don't think about it. But I don't want to. Next game. No, but um no, the the thing about it is it did a good job of presenting a genre that's different from everything else. It's filling a more niche spot in the Switch lineup, which in it of is, itself made the game stand out even more. Yeah,
1: it is artsy, but it's not pixelated and it's not like, it's like and, <laughs>
0: and it's not low poly CG.
1: It's just um
0: like just a like paper craft. Just a
1: cute of round art style it's like I don't know like something you would see like from Cartoon Network but like actually it reminds me of a lot of art that you see in like the art of books like the art of
0: like it looks like pre-production work oh like we're like step one draw a line step two no 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 no, no draw no. the round thing step three it's done
1: <laughs> no like if you see like um like if you watch a movie like let's say you watch Zootopia okay and then they come up with a book the art of Zootopia and it just looks like a bunch of like really nice art from the movie but you're like wow nothing looked like that in the actual movie
0: oh yeah yeah. because yeah.
1: everything's like nicely colored and there's are right. like nice shading yeah. it is a very pretty game yeah it's just a really nice and game. and
0: what's cool, it like in the same way that I feel like Night Call jumped out as in the narrative adventure world of games because it had a, that film noir look this definitely does the same for like I don't know what genre to call it the world of Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing whatever and Harvest Moon like whatever that whatever you want to call that genre like life simulation slash RPG adventure I, I don't know but it this feels like it's catering to that. Which, you know, that's a huge mar- audience. Stardew is one of the biggest games uh, on the indie scene on Switch. Animal Crossing is now one of the biggest franchises. And, you know, people are going to be sitting and waiting for Animal Crossing on Switch. So maybe they're done with Stardew. Maybe want a little more of that Harvest Moon vibe. Mineko seems to... Or Mineco seems to um, do it. I mean, you're literally farming cats at one point. That's straight up Harvest Moon. Or Stardew. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's... um to kind of channel, to channel Stefan from SNL for a minute here, uh, Minako's Night Market has everything. It has villagers to interact with, sewing and woodworking mini games, an in-game economy for selling goods, RPG quests to go on, a twenty-hour story, a whole bunch of cats. Uh, of course, that art style. Like, there's a lot here. So whether it's something like you are gonna buy or I'm gonna buy, like it. All I'm saying is, it really stood out as a unique thing in the presentation. And it's you know it has a vague release of twenty nineteen, so who knows when we'll actually get to experience it. But it was just on principle one of the most noteworthy games because it was literally noteworthy. It was it was like nothing else. Hmm. Are you? Do you think you're actually gonna get? Because you don't. You never. Did you no. get Stardew? No, <laughs> but you like Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah, but I only have enough time to play one of those games, so I decided to go with Animal Crossing.
0: That's fair, and it brings it back around to the bigger point we've been making all show.
1: Yeah, and like to a lesser extent, Minecraft is pretty similar. That's true. To not like, I mean, you don't do the exact same but thing. But it's like the open but world. But yeah, there's a lot of like grinding. All those games are grinding. You don't Animal get Cross- really grinding. Crossing, Pocket Crossing, Camp. Animal Crossing is grinding. Minecraft is grinding. Stardew Valley is grinding. The problem with I can't do too many of those kind of games.
0: You don't like being on that much of a grind. Yeah. Feels like too. Feels like a grind. Because I mean, cause those are those
1: time killers until yeah. like the next big game comes out, and yeah. Yeah. I have enough games right now to keep me occupied until Smash comes out, but it looks like Smash is By doing By enough games, that.
0: you mean you just have Smash for Wii U to keep you occupied until Smash Ultimate comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you literally made that point like half an hour ago. I know, so. it's tough. Yeah, but there there is one other game I want to mention from the showcase that stood yeah, out Yeah, my too. comments
1: are going to be very one-sided after December 7th. I yeah, it's go, I,
0: so I was playing this awesome new... I was playing uh, No More Heroes, Travis Strikes Again It's January 18th, the game's out They just announced that. Um... I'm playing it, and you're going to be like, that's great. Did you know King K. Rule? if you go back and then do a down smash, it's actually a different animation, and if you do the up smash in the same exact... I'm like, what? <laughs> but, no, I'll
1: just be like, what are you... Like, what we're playing, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like when there was a while where I just kept saying
0: Hearthstone, because I literally was all I was playing. And yet, it's still not on Nintendo systems. mm We are getting um, Elder Scrolls version of Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know when, but it's coming. Or why. Did you know, I just read this the other day, um, the when Fallout Shelter was first pitched for Switch by Bethesda to Nintendo, Nintendo didn't even have a free-to-play system in place yet, and they had to kind of scramble to get it together. Because I guess... I don't think it was the very first free-to-play on Switch, but they were planning it very early on. So, so Nintendo's like... They're like, hey, how we do this? So that was free-to-play. pitched before Fortnite with a thing? That was pitched before Fortnite came to Nintendo, at least. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, before Fortnite was I thing suspect on... they pitched it around the time that Nintendo went to them. I was like, so Skyrim... Because like, remember, Skyrim was in the very first available yeah. the Switch. So I bet you at that time it was like, you know, half a year before we even knew about the Switch. Back when it was just the NX. They're probably like, so like, Skyrim. Like, what would it take you to get Skyrim on there? And it probably like, what about these other games we have? And Taz probably like, yeah, but we don't know how to support that. And now here we are and they support it. So thanks, Fallout Shelter. You got everyone else's free-to-play games up and running. Um, but yeah, there is one other game in the showcase that stood out too. I'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. Since it is, in my book, the standout game of the show. Of both presentations, really. Like, of all the indie stuff we've been talking about for, like, the last 50 minutes, this is the one. To me. This this is the one. Untitled Goose Game. I mean... If I hadn't heard about it a year ago... See, I knew nothing about it. I would have been maybe more
1: excited for it, but I guess I saw so many videos about it and so many... I
0: literally knew nothing about it. I don't know how I missed it. It's a goose, and it's a game. But I knew nothing. That makes sense. I mean... I only focus on Nintendo, so how would I... Yeah, exa- exactly.
1: Game? There's a ton of games that are coming to Switch, like indie games, that many people think, like, oh, like I never heard of this game, but they've been out for years. Like, yeah. Like there's a game called Um Lifeless Planet that is coming out like on September 6th on the Switch. Apparently, it's been out on Steam for years, because Obis already had it. <laughs> and he was telling me, oh, yeah, I-, I bought that game. Never played it, though, because...
0: Because Steam, other... where you buy every game. And then yeah, it, it any... was like a summer sale, you know. Yeah, like, you yeah just... of course. Yeah. I mean, the eShop's now suffering from that fate as well. But, yeah, it's... um, Yeah, I didn't know anything about talking, until... And that's actually something I was trying to do with this. like, Because, you know, there's a ton of games that are being poured that we're not even talking about. You got your... uh, uh Into the... Where are you? What into the happening? brine? What is happening? <laughs> Nothing. He <laughs> just reached over to me while I was talking. And, like, Ryan, randomly grabbed a sharp, like, thumbtack from his cork board, and I don't know if he's playing to stab it with me at some point. They don't have that. to know that. They do, because I got all tripped up in my talking, so I had to explain it away. Wow. Um, But no, there's... um. Wow, I just forgot what it was called the strategy game, the one that Shadow dropped with the Nindy Showcase. Oh. Into the... Wow. Star something, nope. whatever. Into, it's into the... It's not into the brine. You're not a pickle. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> Super Brothers no. Sword no, and No, sword, no, no, sword? no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm glad you have a list, though. It's... um.
1: Well, this is from the Nindie Showcase. It's probably not no, it is there. from
0: the Nindie Showcase. The so World Next Door? No. Levelhead? No. Bullet oh, you have a second page?
1: <laughs> Manickel's Night Market, Treasure Charge, Keep going, keep going. Zarvot? Nope. Samurai Gun 2, Bullet Age, The nope. World Next Door, Levelhead. Well, that's the rest of it.
0: You literally didn't write down the one game that's, that's I wrote out. down all of them. Mm-mm. They're all on there. It's not here. Into the... Wow. I love how we just, just grinded to a halt because I can't remember the name of the game that everyone's been raving about for the past week. And, and I, I do want to can... try... Is it that very pixely, with skinny... It's the, it's the Fire Emblem game. Into the... No. What is it called? Well, oh my Collide? god. That's a no. Fire Emblem game? No, I'm literally going to... This is insane. I'm sorry, listeners. You're all saying they're screaming at your devices, I assume. Going like, You into this game, how do you not know? But yet, here we are with me just rambling as I pull up the uh, list of games so I could say its name because it's driving me crazy.
1: Dragalia Lost?
0: Yeah. No, that's a mobile game by Nintendo Into the Breach I, it was on the tip of my tongue and it felt wrong so I didn't say it but I guess I was also right Into the Breach what else is so more? that's a port that we're not bringing up we're not bringing up uh, Chasm coming to Switch we're not bringing up you named off like half the ones that we're not bringing up all the ones we're not bringing up because like yeah it was as you point out there's so many old games that are now coming to Switch that's kind of too
1: many cooks spoil the broth
0: yeah but it's kind of like hard to you know be oh yeah check out this game but Goose Game until Goose Game is the exception in my book because what a great... First of all, it's not out on anything yet, so ha. But it's still first on Switch and PC. But what a great concept. I mean, it's obviously cut from the same cloth as Goat Simulator or Octodad, but the premise is you are a goose and you have to harass people, and it's an open sandbox world, but you have missions of how you can go about harassing people and you go harass them, and again, you're a goose. So, that that's there's not much else to say about it. It has a really cool art style. It's kind of like Samurai Jack. If Samurai Jack was a goose.
1: Yeah, it's quirky. It,
0: yeah, it's like I'm not even kidding. How it feels like, like something that would be
1: like like a micro game and warrior War, but it's like
0: a full yeah. game, which is like like they're literally building an entire like world for this goose to explore and eat people's picnics and poke at their take legs their glasses. and take their glasses and honk. And I mean, this isn't saying much because we don't know very many games 20, coming out in 2019, but. Untitled Goose Game is my most anticipated game of 2019. That's right. More so than uh, Fire Emblem. More so than No More Heroes. More so than presumably the new Pokemon RPG, which I think is late 2019. More so than Metroid Prime 4 because we haven't even seen what that looks like. It's all about Untitled Goose Game. If I think we should just end the podcast. There's nothing else to say. Let's just end the podcast. No, King. Right, right. uh, no, no, no. You're like, yeah, it's a short episode. Great. No, there actually is a lot else to say because I, I mean, do you even care about? Are you are you gang on Tiger's game? Do you have any interest? or Are you over it because it's a year old in your mind and been there, done that?
1: Kind of. I feel like I've, I've had my full of footage and
0: yeah, stuff that's that,
1: a, that I'm kind of okay with not playing. I, that's kind I, of I, thing I, is like I mean, for I a
0: comedy game, you can't really get away with.
1: Uh, yeah, it's like the joke. I already saw the yeah. punchline, and I've got. I I was able to, like, simmer in it for a while. And it doesn't help that, I mean, when is it coming out?
0: Early 2019 is all they said. There you go, post-Smash Brothers. Ah, post-Smash Brothers, boy. I think think this podcast is just going to turn into a Smash Bros. podcast, starting December 7th.
1: Yeah, you might have to do it solo for a while until, like, the honeymoon period is over. It's just going to be, like...
0: I'm like, so Nintendo announced Metroid Prime 4 today. It's like, pfft, I already have Ridley and Samus and Dark Samus and Zero Suit Samus in my game. I don't need that. Like everything that they announced to just find a way to tie it back to Smash. I guarantee it.
1: Easy. I mean they have so many characters. I know, it's
0: literally the easiest job. But um yeah. I was saying there's not much else to say about indies after Untitled Goose Games, so so we might as well just move away from Indies because while all that was going on and unfolding, there's also an event over in Japan called the Computer Entertainment Developers Conference or CDEC rolls right off the tongue. And this year, none other than Shigeru Miyamoto was the keynote speaker. And that in and of itself is pretty noteworthy. But what makes it really noteworthy is that a large portion of his speech was about the value of software. Essentially, he was pitching the end of free to play. Like, essentially, Miyamoto echoed echoed the old sentiment that uh, Wada gave way back in a GDC speech he did late in the two thousands. I'm going into Nintendo historian mode here, but there's this thing. He ran this whole thing it was around the time of the DS, and he was based in the Wii. And he was basically like, "It's important to set a value on your games." So at the time he was pushing against the concept of the race to the bottom pricing where um, you know that was just starting to bubble up with the rise of the app store. So 99 cent games are bad. You should make people want to pay more money than that or else no one's going to buy better games and you won't have the budget and whatever. Now in 2018, similar idea for Miyamoto, but it's about free-to-play instead. So his specific concern that he outlined is that if you try to nickel and dime folks with in-app purchases, you'll ultimately end up becoming too greedy and turn people off. You'll have so many layers and systems of... Mechanics that the game won't be driven by your gameplay ideas, but will be driven by money-making schemes. So he instead is specifically calling on making games a fixed price because he believes that if you don't overcharge players, they're going to be playing more games for a longer period of time, which means it's a more sustainable business model in the long term, which sounds right. And then the lights dimmed and they announced Dragalia. Exactly. That's what's insane. (laughs) Like, because Miyamoto, you know, I mean, just to... Just to continue with his train of thought, because yes, ultimately where I'm going with this is, but then they announced Dragalia Lost like a week later. But Miyamoto went on to say that even though he can't say Nintendo's f- fixed uh, price model works, that's a success, I mean, they previously have said Mario Run underperformed, that's not new. He said that uh, Nintendo plans to keep pushing forward with it until, as he puts it, it becomes entrenched. So fixed pricing will be such a thing for Nintendo, it's going to be such a big deal. And then came Dragalia Lost. <laughs> so it's just like I I don't care I mean it is a noble effort I just I just feel like Miyamoto's living in some sort of alternate dimension saying all this because Dragalia lost no but really it's um like don't get me wrong I'm not a fan of free to play implementations I'd rather pay a flat rate like Mario Run and have my game but when it's done well like the free to play stuff or when it's done in a way that's not too intrusive it's not that bad what?
1: No, yeah, agree. like Hearthstone. I was
0: about to ask you, like, because, I mean, for, is, like, Hearthstone is a good example. Yeah,
1: that's one of the few really good free-to-play models out there, because you could essentially get away with everything right. without paying a single dime. It just takes a little bit of time, but it's fun to get and to. And the that way point.
0: that the mechanics are built into the game, it makes sense. You're buying packs of cards. Yeah. Yeah, or, like, another good example is probably Fortnite. Like, that makes a ton of money. It's one of the most successful games, but you don't actually need to buy anything. Yeah, because it's literally just
1: the cosmetics. You could essentially get the same experience as anyone else. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing you don't get, from what I gather, because I'm not going to buy a a season pass. Me neither. Is that um, the season pass holders have specific challenges that only they'll see on their map. So, I guess that's the thing. Like, someone might be... Dancing in front of a house,
0: and you're like, "Why?" And they're like, "Oh, because that's an achievement." They yeah, have that emote or whatever.
1: Well, like it's like you get like I guess virtual currency for doing specific challenges. Oh, and stuff.
0: oh, that's what you mean. I meant. I meant they were doing a specific dance. Oh no, no, yeah, house. yeah, they were just yeah. doing a
1: dance in front of an object, gotcha. that, and you don't know why, but right. like everyone else knows why because yeah. they see the challenge. And, and you those
0: know. are all like you know, it's like achievements on Xbox, or it's just a side or trophies on PlayStation. It's just a side task. It's not crucial. So yeah, if those are behind paywall, whatever. But but so Fortnite, Hearthstone. Um, those are good examples of how free-to-play work. But if, even if you look more specifically inward to Nintendo's own properties, this is really where my alternate dimension comment comes from. Because if you look at something like Pokemon Go, which obviously was a runaway hit, it's entirely free-to-play. You don't even need to use the free-to-play. I mean, it's not even that aggressive compared to other games. But the game was the number one top-grossing mobile game in the U.S. last month. Two years after launch. It was number four wor- worldwide last month. And The Guardian put up this great article about the game's big comeback in recent months and how... You know, There's interest in the game again because they have regular events and activities or something else every day. Network. And there's rollout of new features. What? That work. What work? Their events. Oh, yeah. yeah that the, work. Yeah, that they, work. they, yeah, they yes, actually have yes. events that work. Yes, they did a Pokemon Go Fest that did not end in a lawsuit and $150 million. What? <laughs> yeah, in Boston? In, uh Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, and they just did one in Japan last week huh. or this past weekend. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's doing well to the point where it now has 60 million active players worldwide. Which, just to give you a point of comparison, it's a different type of app entirely, but it's Pokemon Go has 20 million more active users of it than Uber does. There's more in the user base for Pokemon Go than there is for Uber, the number one taxi app in the world that is ubiquitous with the app ecosystem. Like, when, you're, when you think of apps, it's like Uber, Instagram, and Pokemon Go is more. And it's all free-to-play, and it's making money. So... It seems weird that Miyamoto, who his company is getting a third of that money, is like, nah, free of play doesn't work. And like, fine, maybe, maybe Miyamoto just wants to refer to Nintendo's own first party games. Maybe that's how he's proving his point. But again, alternate dimension here, because Nintendo's biggest mobile successes are the ones that use the exact mechanics he's saying are bad and shouldn't be used. I mean, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp has a gotcha system of sorts, as does more knowably, and to much bigger success, Fire Emblem Heroes. So there's this data from a uh, analytics firm called Sensor Tower that shows that Fire Emblem has made Nintendo something like four hundred million dollars, while Mario Run has made them sixty million ish. That's a very big difference. So for me and Mo to be up there and be like, "Hey, I don't think we should do free-to-play mechanics. It's not worth sacrificing your games," and now on the side being like, "But my company's got to go ahead and do it and sacrifice our games." It's just, I don't know. It's very contradictory. And you know, then you have Nintendo's new president. Uh, Chantaru Furukawa, he was going on record just a few months ago, right when he became president, that he wants to make Nintendo's mobile business a billion dollar business. Which brings us back to the cognitive dissonance that is Dragalia Lost, the same week as Miyamoto was saying all this stuff. Like Nintendo did a big special direct for Dragalia Lost. Um, it is the first real news on the game. Uh, and for those who don't remember Dragalia Loss is that uh, collaboration they're doing with Psy Games which is huge in the free-to-play space in Japan and for Nintendo the benefit is it can now take that easy money maker go global with it build a new brand that sort of thing so it's an original IP and uh, because it's with Psy Games guess what it's not just free-to-play it's like super free-to-play it is tripling down on everything Fire Emblem Heroes when and it does.
1: does it come out? Uh, September twenty
0: seventh. oh soon the
1: same day that I'm gonna go watch the Transformers movie
0: in theaters for the first time since the 80s yeah that movie whenever. originally
1: aired in 1986 I was not born so it would be interesting
0: I've never seen it in a theater I've always seen it at your you, apartment in college you couldn't have I know yeah, I also true. wasn't born yeah Yeah. weird but yeah, it, yeah weird they're, we are really old it, it, weird because I'm only a few months older than you it's more than a few Mm-mm. it's like four more than a few, anyway. Anyway, no, but so Dragalia Lost, yeah, they're tripling down on Fire Emblem heroes. You like, you know, gotcha, you know, Fire Emblem heroes like summoning gotcha system. Yeah, you. How about and, yeah. And, yeah, how it's, about three of them to do anything in Dragalia Lost? Huh. So, like, to be fair, the game actually does look pretty fun. It's based like it's an action RPG. I mean, I like some burgers with triple meat, so why
1: wouldn't I like a triple layer? Because it's triple the
0: chance of wasting your currency mm-hmm. that you either paid for or earned through hard. Manual labor, grinding through grinding, yeah. But like to be fair, the game does actually look fun. Is what I was starting to say. I mean, it is an action RPG, so obviously it has to be mobile friendly, which means you kind of just drag your finger to move, you tap enemies to attack. But there, there is cool stuff. There's um a local multiplayer feature that lets you play across devices, which is kind of neat so you can, you know, multiple friends with iPhones all in one place can play together. There's this whole transformation system where you, like, build up a meter, you turn to a dragon briefly, you then, like, unleash more powerful attacks. Like, the whole thing is very much kind of this real-time action RPG in the vein of, like, Gauntlet or Diablo, maybe, and that's kind of cool to have on mobile. But, and it's not the first game to do that, by the way, but it is kind of cool to see Nintendo dip in. But if you look at, like, the structure and presentation, it is very, very much Fire Emblem Heroes just reskinned as an action RPG. I mean, you've got... A, a jillion characters. There are 60 characters you can play as. So it does have some nice variety. Um, I believe each has their own dragon and it has different attacks, which helps as well. But um, of course, the characters also fall under different classes. So there's strengths and weaknesses. There are four in total. Uh, there's a whole weapon system with like a rock, paper, scissors style mechanics so of what trumps what. You know, it's all the sort of stuff a typical action RPG would have, just kind of mobile friendly. But then you get to the triple gotcha system because the only way to get those characters and to get those weapons is summoning them and you can summon them using in-game currency that you accumulate by grinding you can summon them by buying it with real money some of the characters can be unlocked as you go through the game but much like fire emblem heroes like identical to fire emblem heroes they all have star ratings attached to them so if you want to up your character's star rating how you do that well a lot of grinding or or well, if you just summon a second one, boom, there you go, instant boost. So it's all very much getting you into that gotcha system. You have the you know, the character one, the weapon one, and then the third one, independent of those, the, tri- the third layer is something called um, Worm prints, which I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't remember what they said in the direct. I think it's Worm prints. But basically these are special unlocks that can boost your character's stats beyond just the game's main grind. So these require their own special currency to to summon, of course. And like any good mobile game, on top of all that, you also have time-based elements. So you have a castle where you can build facilities and train your characters and grind them automatically. But you need to pay, again, with either real or fake currency. So like the Parallels Fire Emblem are definitely here. Like it ultimately, in the same way that Fire Emblem Heroes streamlines like strategy RPGs, this is doing that for action RPGs, complete with the same structure on top and it's just weird that Miyamoto's like yeah we shouldn't do this as Nintendo's announcing this like the the two Dragalia Lost credit it has an edge over a lot of mold games and that looks very high production it looks pretty fun um, that's something that Fire Emblem Heroes did really well and it worked well because it wasn't too overbearing with the money making schemes while still offering the high production and fun so if Dragalia Lost can mimic that sure Maybe. So it, Like it, maybe Mimo's point can still stand about other games, but it's just kind of this weird back and forth. And I'm kind of curious how Dragalia does because it's a brand new IP. It doesn't have the brand recognition going for it like Fire Emblem Heroes. Like Fire Emblem Heroes, people bought into it and got hooked on it because like, oh, I love Fire Emblem. How do you get someone to triple gotcha in a game with characters they don't have recognized and no real emotional attachment to? I think I'm a big fan of the name. I would have just liked it with just was Yeah, Lost is kind of a weird yeah. extra... But yeah, it means like, but it all means the game has to perform on its own merits more than anything else. So this is really the test of free to play for Nintendo, I would argue. Um, and it, I don't know, kind of, as much as I was talking up how cool some aspects are, it does look pretty generic. It's like t- typical JRPG. Like, I'll check it out. I'm going to download it, but are you going to download it on Transformers Day, September 27th? No. Yeah, that's what I figured because like it's not, it doesn't have any, the same sort of hook. And also you don't like RPGs. But that's a whole nother or sorry, uh, certain RPGs. Like you don't really play Fire Emblem. So you didn't get Fire Emblem either, right? I don't really consider that an RPG. Strategy but, yeah. RPG, technically. Yeah. I should have clarified. I should have said strategy RPG. Actually, yeah, this is more your type. You like action RPGs. This is like kind of Tales-ish. Yeah, like but why play anything else on my phone when... You can play Hearthstone and Smash for the rest of your life.
1: No, when I oh. don't play anything on my phone. Oh, that's fair. I don't want to have any games on my phone. Right.
0: Also on tablets, just saying. But, but to yeah, quickly... but why play anything on my tablet when I can play Yeah, I know, stone. I know. To quickly <laughs> tie this all back to the MMO free to play con thing. I feel like you gotta practice what you preach. And something like your Galea Loss is kind of the opposite. Um, like a lot of what MMO has been saying is true. And it's obviously, entirely. Well, his as opinion. Long as name isn't in the credits somewhere. Yeah, that's where it's really funny. It was like executive producing MMO. But like, yeah, I don't know. To discuss like Nintendo's. Uh, yeah, to discuss how Nintendo's gonna like drill paid mobile games into people's heads till they accept them while simultaneously Nintendo is making bank mostly off the exact free to play models he's bashing just seems strange. I don't know. I mean, maybe Mario Kart Tour, that rumored mobile Zelda game, will um, have a fixed price. And who knows? Maybe Nintendo's going to use its free-to-play games and the money they make from that to kind of subsidize lifting up games that are priced at the front, which they know won't make as much money, and they have to sort of balance the two in order to hit their $1 billion. I don't know. Like, who knows what the strategy is, but it's just, it's a weird look for Nintendo and MMO right now. For Nintendo, really? be like, check this out. MMO will be like, don't look at that. <laughs> so... We'll, we'll see. I mean, lucky for them, they can get away with mobile being super random and weird right now and doing weird stuff over there because they are killing it on the traditional game side. Um, July Just MPD. Killing it. They are killing it. Like, July MPD numbers came out. Good news all around for Nintendo. Um, really good news for the whole industry. The industry was up 14% July 2018 versus July uh, 2017. But Nintendo, they they kind of stole the show. On the hardware side, Switch was the number one system, both in terms of money made and units sold. Uh, this marked the first time since December 2017 that Switch generated the most in hardware dollar sales, in case anyone has a not, uh, Jeopardy question about that in the future. It's also only the seventh month since the Switch came out in March 2017 that it managed to do that goal. So, a little fun fact for you. But more significantly, the thing that actually matters, the best July of hardware unit sales that Nintendo has seen since 2009. nine. Two thousand My favorite part. You have a phone in here? Oh, yeah. There's a phone in here now. We look at Weird. That. I had no idea the a phone in here now. Oh, yeah, because you got new internet and it probably came with the phone. Yeah. Does your phone read off the phone number for everyone listening to then call and be like, stop calling? Yeah. You get a slight ring. We'll let's talk about it. We'll go on the next thing. Oh, it does. Oh, it's going to play The Message? Oh, they hung up. That's exciting. Oh, that was... <laughs> this is the type of live experience you get on a live show that we're just going to pretend this is. Yeah. That well, was... We need to be aware of that. that in the
1: is, yeah, that, that is a first in... Yeah, Six and the half years. Yeah, yeah right. We've had
0: text messages, we've had emails, we've had people, we've had squeaky doors. We we've had music outside, but we have never had a phone. had a live caller to, it call into the episode. My
1: thing is that we can mute it, so there's that.
0: Yes, but anyway, what I was gonna say is, um, you know, what the, yeah, the actual was? it wasn't a phone call. That was the important sales stat bell that rings. That was like the her, the little jingle that plays when there's an important stat. Because I mean, not. The last time Nintendo sold this many hardware units in a July was when Wii Sports Resort came out. Like that was the peak. What is your phone now doing? Well anyway, that was like the peak of the Wii days.
1: Please ignore
0: that. I'm I'm just enjoying this. This is we're not taking any of this out for the record. This is all staying in. People have to know how the meat is made. They need to know what's in the sausage, not what's in the sausage case. Like this is that opportunity. You guys think we're professional? We're not. Actually, no one thinks we're professional. I should be fair. How's that going? Um, you know an easy way to turn off the ringer is to take it off the hook and then just let it like kind of act like you're making a phone call and just have it sit there. Like turn on the phone and just have it sit there. So no one can call in. Wait, but
1: we also don't want that.
0: Because... Well, no, go voicemail. They call in and it goes to voicemail. The random of random Nintendo was just well, fulfilled today. A phone
1: in the house proper. Oh, well,
0: those will still ring. It's just this. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, actually. Yeah. Well, have to figure we'll, we'll out. find out. The random of random Nintendo, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I almost want to be like, and
0: scene. That was all a demonstration of. In the future, uh-huh. we could just move it to the other room. Yeah, we'll, well figure it out. Or we'll figure it out. But my point was, Switch is doing great. Like, best since the peak Wii days. Um, of course, what's driving those sales are the games. Nintendo software sales have been huge in July, and actually since the start of 2018, they've been the top-selling publisher across the entire charts based on just physical sales, which is what's sort of important about that. Like, that's not eShop downloads, which make up a bigger and bigger part of the Switch. All these stats are about software are strictly hard uh, physical copies you can get in the store. So in July, Nintendo is actually the only company to see year-over-year software growth. They To the tune of uh, 70%, which is nuts. To have your game sell seventy percent more this year than last year—that's crazy. And at the top of that heap is surprisingly um, Octopath Traveler. That was the number one game on all platforms in the month of July. And I don't know. To it, it to me at least. Maybe you feel otherwise, Angel. But to me at least, it was surprising to see an old school two D JRPG be number one in the year twenty eighteen.
1: This is the year that it would make the most sense. Is it? Why do you think that? It's
0: a resurgence. Ah. That's what I was thinking too. Just
1: like how fighting games kind of died off for a while. Like around, I want to say 2004 when Street Fighter 4 came out. Like there were basically no 2D fighters. Like they kind of died off with Street Fighter 3. No one one cared. And then after Street Fighter 4, then you suddenly got Mortal Kombat. And then you got another. um, Then the Guilty Gear started like hitting back hard. And now you have almost too many. So yeah, I think thing. But for that,
0: I think it's partly like I wonder how much that resurgence is in part due to the nostalgia wave we're going through. Because like if you look at Octopath Traveler's neighbors on the chart in the top ten alone, you got 3D Mario with Mario Odyssey, you got Zelda with Breath of the Wild, you got Mario Kart, you got Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy back on the chart in the top ten. So it feels like and, and you know, fine games were big in the '90s. These JRPG 2D ones were big, like the early Final Fantasy games when you look at it through that lens and what you're describing with The Resurgent it, it, like Octopath is obviously the one that's going to be number one oh, yeah. but we got so entrenched in the recent mindset of what a game what, what a successful game is that I guess we kind of lost sight that that could happen I at least mean, me personally
1: they were marketing that game like crazy oh
0: yeah they were it's on TV all the time as part of like a Switch sizzle reel yeah hmm.
1: but uh, Octopath's actually significant
0: wasn't it there like since the beginning of when the Switch got they, the it was one of the very early ones yeah I think it was in the January presentation, not the uh, Switch unveil with with Karen going to the rooftop party with her Switch. But uh is also significant, not just because of how well it's doing um, on the chart now, but it's keeping that monthly drumbeat of releases going. Although this, it feels like like if you, if I were to say to you, do we have as many cool games coming out in 2018 as we did in 2017 for Switch? Most people would probably say no. It's not comparable. But if you look at what Nintendo's doing, it is exactly the same one major release a month. We had Labo in April. We had Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze in May. We had Mario Tennis in June, which went on to be the number one selling game in June. And now in July, we have Octopath, which also is going on to be number one. So I I guess August Monster Hunter, they maybe gave that to Capcom and hopes they'll do well because Monster Hunter Worlds is doing so well. I don't know. But they are keeping that rhythm going. And in September, we have... um, Another Labo plus the and some other small stuff, like they're trying to do that. So it, it's one of those things that it didn't like feel as crystallized as 2017's drum beat. But now that I'm like looking back at the charts and seeing everything, yeah, we kind of had the drum beat, it's still going. Nintendo's still very successfully doing a game a month, which is cool to see. Um, but no, I, I also mentioned Crash on there, Crash Bandicoot, that in and of itself is an interesting story i feel like cuz crash launched a year ago on the ps4 and it just now came to both xbox and switch in july or well technically like june but uh what that means is those two versions alone xbox and switch ports of a year old game were enough to propel crash to number 3 on the chart a year old game number 3 off just like unless that year old game is called grand theft auto 5 it's pretty impressive for a game to st- be on the chart like that. Like, Grand Theft Auto, by the way, number two in the month of July, it's been on the chart for, like, five straight years. I don't understand how. Like, what? <laughs> I know it has the GTA Five online elements and all that, but, like, seriously, Grand Theft Auto is unstoppable. If it doesn't come to Switch, I'm going to be shocked. But, anyway, we don't necessarily know the breakdown of how Crash did on Switch versus Xbox, but um, we do know that, according to MPD analyst Matt Piscatella. Piscatella, I guess Mm -hmm. is how you say it. um, He's saying that most Switch third-party games are doing quite well. So I don't think Crash is number three on the chart in some sort of weird, it's all due to Xbox scenario. Like, Switch definitely had a hand in it. So it just kind of further pushes the resurgence, nostalgia wave, whatever you want to call it idea. Um, Actually, Matt from MPD made another interesting comment. E and T rated games, so everyone in teen rated games, are actually up 22% this year. Which kind of gels with the whole, like, 90s nostalgia thing, I feel like. Like, I bet a lot of Nintendo success ties into the rise of these games. Not necessarily, You know, the, what's considered a popular game now, it doesn't have to be gritty, violent, only shades of brown and red. Like, Fortnite is the most popular shooter, and it's very colorful and <laughs> friendly. See that grit in your throat right now? Games don't have to be like that anymore. That literally <laughs>
1: is the perfect way to describe
0: yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So you okay? <laughs> yeah, I <Fair enough. laughs> think like if Call of Duty went down my throat, basically. Right, and now we're in a world where twenty-two percent up, are it'd be like you had a lollipop instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. so, yeah I think I think that's also helping Nintendo a lot because they, like, their type of games are suddenly in vogue thanks to the resurgence and nostalgia. That that's nice. But that said, um, there is one July Switch game that seems to be missing in action from this chart entirely. Remember Go Vacation. We talked about it when it was announced and it never yeah, again. Yeah, that
1: it takes some game that's apparently really good and you keep your eye out for it, or it's important in some
0: way. Which is why we probably keep bringing it up. We only brought it up once, I think, but we're bringing it up again because it's <laughs> – exactly it's no. yeah, now it's twice. It's nowhere to be found in the top twenty. It's nowhere to be found in the Switch specific top ten. For a Nintendo published game to not be in Switch's own top ten is kind of weird. And um, the reason I brought it up to you when you're sort of poking fun at it, but the reason we talked about it the first time is, at least to me, it felt like this was an experiment for more Wii-style casual fare on Switch. I mean, they released it right at the same time frame that Wii Sports Resort came out in July 2009, the last time Nintendo had a system do this well. And yet, Go is nowhere to be seen. So perhaps that's a sign that we won't be getting a lot of super casual-friendly stuff. Although, on the flip side, it's only out for a week, and this game seems to be relying more on word of mouth than many, like, than actual real marketing. So maybe it's too soon to say. I mean, in Europe, in Europe apparently it started pretty slow, but then it managed to creep up onto the charts from there. So we'll, we'll see if that happens in America. I suspect if it does creep on, it'll be closer to the holidays, which, actually, like, the holidays this year are going to be interesting. It's going to be kind of fascinating to watch how they unfold, especially from, like, a chart perspective why is that well let me tell you angel right now as i mentioned we got games like mario odyssey and zelda are still in the top 10 you know a year later Inter- actually interestingly zelda has better legs than mario zelda was number five in july and mario was number seven but mario is the newer game so more people are picking up zelda when they pick up switches than mario essentially at least currently overall according to the numbers mario is like two million ahead but it looks like zelda here in the u.s has more attention, But regardless, um, it looks like what Nintendo to do is they're making these small moves to keep that momentum going, even as other big games come out, even as other games start to flood the charts. I mean, I, to be clear, these are small moves. But remember those starter kit versions of games? Like they made A Breath of the Wild, but then they called it the starter kit through a strategy guide in and charged the same 60 bucks. Sounds right. Yeah, so they're doing that again with Zelda, and they're also rolling out similar starter kits for Mario Odyssey and Splatoon 2. So I don't think it's going to make any diehard fans suddenly double-dip unless they're collecting these things. But it does seem like a pretty smart way to keep evergreen status of those games going. Because they can essentially remarket the games as something new. They're not losing money because they're not including DLC. Like, the books are really cheap to print. And then you can still get the people to pay the full price for DLC. They don't have to do, like, a Game of the Year edition. Instead, they're just like, hey, Best Buy and Target in your next circular put new Splatoon 2 starter kit and then, oh look, Splatoon 2 is a thing that's suddenly getting a spotlight on it again. So it's, it's a very small thing. Very sleazy. It, it, a little. <laughs> but it's, you know, it works, right? Like They're just putting out some booklets, throwing it in a box and calling it a day, and hey, it's going to result in games doing well. Or at least I assume it will, because if the test with Zelda worked well enough to now do Mario and Splatoon with Zelda, presumably that means it's going to do well. It's just one way to keep the old games going in the holidays. And I, I think it's kind of a similar mindset to what we're seeing with Mario Kart 8 lately because Mario Kart 8 as we discussed a few months ago gained support uh, initial support for the motorcycle Toy-Con from Labo and that gave it kind of a small profile boost There's back in the news people that maybe you know maybe new Switch owners that bought the system for Labo are like oh my kid can use that thing he built that punk of cardboard I don't know what to do with in other games that's cool I'll buy a Mario Kart and now Nintendo announced at Gamescom that they're doubling down and they're going to add support for the upcoming vehicle kit steering wheel and pedal, also in Mario Kart. So you can use that and the motorcycle in tandem, and basically it's more uses for Warrior cardboard, and you can now play the cardboard with your friends, and like, it's another, it's very much like the starter kit booklets so it's just like, oh, it's like a little thing that sort of boosts the game just enough to potentially reach out to new people. So it's all little things that I think are just going to keep the evergreen going. Honestly, though, like, vehicle kit, did you see any of the stuff they showed at Gamescom about the vehicle kit? Um, just briefly, but it, I think it could be like the best selling Labo. I mean, it is kind of same, same, but they also like, there's a lot more to it. Like I feel not more to it, but there's, it's more cohesive of a package I'd say. Like, they showed, you know, little things like, oh, you can spray paint your vehicle any car you want by holding up a spray can toy con and, screw, like, doing it with front of the screen. And if you put – we have stencils. And if you put the toy con facing the stencil, the IR camera will see the shape and pre- correctly, like, apply it to the car, which is just really cool tech. But beyond that, like, the way the game plays like an actual game, there's actually challenges and missions and multiplayer modes. There's literally, like, a, what amounts to a monkey fight mode, if you remember that from Super Monkey Ball but with your vehicles. So there's like that element to it, but then at the same time, they also seem to have sort of doubled down on the garage, like the Toy-Con garage. Um, It now has a physical side, essentially. You are able to program basically anything you build into a Toy-Con. Like, it's not before it's like, oh, these inputs do this. It's literally like, okay, here's, I want to make a, I guess I worded it wrong. It's more like I want to make a new steering wheel and the game will be like, okay, here's how to turn whatever you have into a proper steering wheel. So it's kind of the inverse. And now, so you know, you have both sides of DIY coin and you have more gameplay. So
1: it's kind of like how people, I mean, for a simple example, when they want to use like a DDR pad to play Super Mario
0: 64. I think it's like that, but not, but with other cardboard objects. Yeah. Yeah essentially, I think. So it's just, it just feels like more like a holistic thing, because you got both sides of the DIY, you got actual gameplay, but still some of the freedom to try new things, because you have all that DIY, like it's, because Variety Kit was great, and that had all these cool, basically, tech demos, but there weren't really games behind them. There were some, like, I, but they were shallow. And then, Robot Kit was great, and that offered, or what was great about Robot Kit, from what I've read, I've actually played it, is that it offered more of an actual game, but then the kit was kind of crazy. So this is – and it didn't offer the creativity suite, so you couldn't, like, do the stuff with Garage that you could do in Variety Kit. This marries them together pretty perfectly. So I imagine if there were one Labo game that's, like, the Breakthrough Kit, I feel like the Vehicle Kit might be that. We'll see. I mean, it it really – it also depends on word of mouth, so time will come. I mean, of course, there's also all the usual standard holiday stuff Nintendo's doing. There's a leak from Europe of a Switch hardware bundle coming with Smash in it, which I'm sure that's a, you know, everyone knew that was a given. I'm sure it's going to do well. Yeah, it's a gimme. Yeah, and then here in the U.S., they announced that Smash is actually going to come in two flavors. We're going to get a standard edition uh, or a, st- or a special edition that comes with the Steelbook we talked about last episode, plus a special Smash-themed Pro Controller, all for $140. But
1: more importantly, are we getting one that comes with a controller and just the case, but with a digital code inside, like in Japan?
0: No. I know, of course not. Of course not. I really wish Nintendo would do the digital code with the case thing, because as everyone knows from the time I've talked about it over and over and over, I like definitely... having physical cases, but I don't need the cartridges.
1: Yeah, the Switch definitely is geared more towards having a Absolutely. digital library. I mean, Like, even the fact if... that
0: it's portable, like, like, yes, the
1: cartridges are small, but as Jason can tell you, and as someone that <laughs> tried to play a game with him and ultimately gave up because it was such a pain... Like, it was it C3 or Comic-Con? It was D3. That's right. Yeah, because they're like, let's play Mario Kart. Oh, okay, I have the other game inside. Let me take it out. Oh, damn, I dropped some games. It was like, he was like fumbling through like,
0: I have too many games. So the banner image for this episode.
1: And then by the time you got it
0: on there, it's like, oh, I have to do an update. I'm like, oh my God. The banner image for this episode is that meme of the guy with the limes holding too many limes, and not knowing what to do with them all. That was literally me. With the games at E3, just in the middle of a line, mm-hmm. and they just fell everywhere, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Here I am, just like taking less than five seconds yeah. switch between games. Yeah.
0: So, it, but but the problem is, I do like the physical cases, and I'm already so far in on the physical that I feel weird to jump to digital. But if they had a physical case with no cartridge, I would do that. So, if maybe I should start importing from Japan. Is what I'm saying.
1: Hmm. Better thought.
0: Except all the boxes are in Japanese, yeah. so, so there's that. But yeah, no. What what you do get is, like I said, the controller, the book case and the game, it's 140 bucks. Smash doesn't need this. Like, It's already Amazon's best-selling game of 2018, and it's not even out yet. That's just off pre-orders. It's sold more than any other game this year off pre-orders strictly, which is kind of crazy. But still, it is nice to see that Nintendo's giving a collector's edition to those who want it. I mean, they're milking us for it. Like, they're milking the fans, there's no doubt, but they're doing it in a very nice way. Uh, I mean, are you... Well, I guess since you're getting digital, you're not going to get the kit or the the thing, are you?
1: I mean, I'm just gonna get the control separately, but for
0: the standard 70 whatever. Yeah. What uh? That's it. What do you think of that controller? Um, I'm not it's very bland. Yeah, I'm very not the biggest fan of the design.
1: It's very boring. It's funny because like, if you get rid of the Smash logo, I don't know. It's weird. Like I don't like the the blinding white with just the black for some reason. Yeah. But I don't know. It's. I don't want to say it's growing on me, but it's like I'm getting used to it that I'm like, that's fine.
0: It, it, I will say when the town of Europe put out like that sizzle reel of was, footage the, the, is a is, little better.
1: Yeah, there is a picture. I mean, I'm sure in person it'll probably look better. It it just always does. That like, goes like for every piece of technology I've ever felt like weird about. Um, but there was a picture of like from a slightly different angle that made me go like, all right, it looks a little nicer, but I'm sure it'll look fine in person. I think
0: what bothers me... I think me... what I'm actually going
1: to do is yeah. I'm going to take the... I'm going to unscrew the white bits and put them on my current Pro Controller so that that Pro Controller with the Smash Pro logo is all black but the white Smash logo. That's what I was going to say. And then I just have a regular Pro Controller with just the white, which I feel would look a lot better for some reason. That's what I was
0: going to say. I think you can only do a two-tone controller if you let the two tones be there in full. Putting the white Smash logo right next to the white grip on the side, is like, well, it's not two-tone. Now you just have, like, a weird, white yeah, like, extension or splotch. Like the, like, the Splatoon
1: one works because you have, like, green and pink all throughout yeah. the controller, and the... Xenoblade, and the Xenoblade for for one the Yeah, the red X is, like, a little... It's not as blatant. Like, the Smash yeah. logo just takes up too much
0: space. It takes up reason. too much space that it's not a two-tone If controller. it was just, like,
1: a <laughs> tiny logo in the middle, like it is for the Genki controller, that would probably look nicer yeah, and more, I like, agree. pristine, but... I agree. As
0: is, it looks like... Two different people designed it. it. Yeah, it looks like the grips in the center were made by different yeah. people, and then they smashed them together. hey but uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm getting it either. Like, I mean, I'm not a fan of design. I mean, I
1: need a second pro controller just because I'm ultimately I'm ultimately going to be playing like two player a lot with Elvis right, or friends. Right, right. And hopefully it doesn't me, make maybe. sense. To, and it ha- No. Oh. And it doesn't make sense <laughs> to have two identical pro controllers. It would just be easy to tell them apart. Mm-hmm. And. Of course, I have to get the Smash one if I'm gonna get any of them. So right, but yeah, it's just and it's that's if like, I'm stuck with.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like I haven't even. I have another oh, one, but I mean, it broke and it's not official. Yeah, Power A, not Nintendo. Yeah, it's licensed, but not the fishy
1: license. But yeah, best design, really good design. I really like how it looks. Oh, well, it's Bowser. It you put Bowser on no, like a trash heap and you'd like it. No, I mean I just like the matte finish to it. I like, oh, that's what you mean. I, I, I like that I have a, a shiny, glossy D pad. Yeah. It just feels comfy, but yeah, I had to just die, just yeah. after the warranty. How That's convenient! Yeah,
0: how convenient. But uh, at least it was
1: super cheap, so it almost feels like you get what you pay for. So
0: you know what's weird? It shouldn't, but yeah. You know what's weird? This pro controller talk made me realize. I so I I host a Nintendo podcast with you, and I'm a diehard Nintendo fan. I've never owned a Pro Controller on any of the Nintendo systems. I had a Classic Controller on the Wii, but I never got the Wii's Pro Controller. I never got the Switch's Pro Controller. I'm I've only played Smash. I the Classic Controller Pro? No, even the Classic Controller oh, Pro. the Funk Controller. I've only played Ultimate using the Pro Controller when we've demoed it. I have no idea if I'll even like it with Joy-Cons. I imagine maybe not because the sticks give it, or the sticks' dist- travel distance is so much smaller. But, yeah, because I was like, oh yeah, well, like I saw this, I'm like, no, I'm not getting a Pro Controller bundle. I don't need a Pro Controller, it's fine. Also, I don't like the design, but I don't need a Pro Controller. And now I'm sitting here like, I might need a Pro Controller. I have no idea what Smash is like with a Joy-Con. Nintendo's not demoing that
1: at all. Yeah, also... Just for, like, house, like proper housekeeping, I'd probably just get a pro controller so you don't damage your Joy-Cons. Cause yeah. Because Smash is a pretty aggressive game on the controllers. That's true. That's true. And really the Joy-Cons
0: g- seem way more fragile because they're so much smaller. Like, yeah. the components have less give and everything. I, I
1: wouldn't want to put that kind of stress... We're making them run through that tr- stress test too much. Yeah. So maybe I will get pro controller. But if I do not i the Then
0: again, line. I mean, for you, it might be fine. Because I can just come here and play it using your controllers.
1: No, I just meant, like, I can't <laughs> see you getting too aggressive with it. Oh, it's no, like, I don't. It, it's a yeah. like, It'd be, like, I'd rather give Ovis a pro controller, and if we have, like, if we're playing, like, eight-player Smash, I don't even know if that's going to be a thing. It is. But. It's still there. Like, if we're going to play that, I wouldn't feel bad giving, like, someone, a like, the the dual joy cons, because the average person just plays casually isn't going to yep. be as aggressive on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's money the
0: people that are trying to do, like, all those specific inputs to do a combo or something. And specific angles and all yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, like even if I get a Pro Controller, I'm totally content with the standard edition. Like the, the Steelbook case is fine, but eh, I don't need the controller. And I'm even more content because Best Buy just announced that um, if you pre-order either edition there, you actually get a little piece of swag in the form of a silver Smash Bros. coin that they're giving with every single pre-order, even retroactively. So I'm still getting a little swag, a little bit of extra. So I don't need the whole I saw the set.
1: coin, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm okay not getting a coin. I like but-
0: it. I like that's not gold, like the last one was. I kind of like that's that not tungsten, but whatever that is. That's I the, don't know. It's the same material I, that wedding band. I kind really of wish
1: like all the coins were uniform, so you could have like. I mean, we have like the Luigi coin, the Zelda coin, the Smash Bros. coin, the Mario Odyssey coin, and they're all golden and uniform. And then you have this
0: other one that's not even the same thickness. It's like well, yeah, the thickness thing, and I think the size is different. This is an inch and a half diameter. Yeah, here.
1: it's like. It would look weird in like in a collection that you're trying to build like, oh here are all my yeah. US coins and here's this oblong one that's the only there.
0: weird thing is I don't know what they would have done with the coin if they made it the same size and shape, because the other coins, the logo on one side and the emblem on the other. There's not much you can do with that. I mean it would be the same except it would have it's a ultimate instead of Wii U three D I guess. Yeah,
1: I don't know. They could maybe do some slight variance to the to the emblem, maybe make it look a little a bit on fire or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, they could have done that. But that would have been tricky because it's round and then well, you have to do the flames. they'll and, figure it out. Yeah, they'll figure it out. But besides Smash and all that, I'm also kind of curious to see... Um, like, we've talked a lot about Switch, but what's up with 3DS? Like, how's that going to do this holiday? Because in July, it basically was a non-existent system. Uh, some leaked, not confirmed, NPD numbers say that this, uh, the 3DS sold as low as 86,000 units over the month, which is uh, pretty low. Like, for comparison... Um, the Switch apparently sold over a quarter million. And obviously the Switch is the new hotness. I get that. But yeah, it's still kind of sad for 3DS. And then and then you even have like WarioWare Gold, which technically came out in August. It came out with one day of tracking left in the July sales chart for MPD. And based on that whopping one day of sales, it, uh, it couldn't outsell the nine-month-old Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon. Now, granted, you're talking about a game that has a full month of sales versus a day of sales, but you would think if it was a high-profile game, Maybe you come in at number one on a system that's barely selling and its games are all old. I don't know. But no, off that one day... It, you know, it's not the fairest comparison. I'll have to wait till next month to really see. But it, it's not the strongest start for WarioWare. So I'm kind of curious to see... With a system that's not really selling all that well and the games that are kind of not taking off like a rocket, what's going to happen in the months ahead? And one thing they're doing is they're essentially giving the new 2DS XL a permanent price drop. On September 28th, they're going to start bundling Mario Kart 7 as a download... With every 2ds XL sold in every color, so instead of being 150 for the system alone, it's now a system at 120 with a 30 game, all being sold under 150. So you could, you know that that is essentially a price drop. But along with that, they're also introducing a new purple 2ds XL in the weeks before Luigi's Mansion's launch, which I don't know if that's some sort of low key GameCube nod going on, like if that's some sort of subtle marketing where they're hoping like oh purple 2DS, Luigi's Mansion, I'm going to have to buy both, because I love GameCube. But whatever it is, it's it's, it's not going like, to set the charts on fire, but it is kind of a funny one-two punch they're doing. Uh, but but in all seriousness, I do think Luigi's Mansion might have a, like, that's, that's a good test of how things are going to go, because Luigi's a high-profile guy. He's he's pretty well known. Many mourned his death after the Direct, so, you know, he's, he, that's a test. And, you know, any console skew adjustment usually moves units anyway, so what they're doing with the 2DS, what they're doing with Luigi. September and October's charts should be interesting for 3DS, and especially November and December when they're probably doing their Black Friday deals, and obviously that's when the budget systems really shines. So it'll be an interesting few months for Nintendo. Switch, 3DS, the works, all of it. Um, but that's about it for the sales and business talk, or biz talk, as no one says, actually. But uh, to bring us full circle back to indies, Angel and I have been both have both been playing a fun title called Treadnoughts. And uh, I, sh- I should rephrase it. And, and if you, you own to... it and played it, and I have come over for multiplayer a few times. And, and played if you've
1: it. listened to our description of some of the other um, quick <laughs> pick up and play single screen party games, then you pretty much already know what to expect.
0: I, I mean, to be fair, it. it...
1: As, I, as I said, you pretty much Yeah. So do you, you
0: want to like elaborate on it a little? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, to separate, like, you have up to four people on one screen trying to kill each other, one hit kills. So that's pretty much the premise of it. But obviously the controls in each of these kind of games is what's supposed to separate it. And it does kind of have a pixely look to it. So, yeah. It kind of reminded is, me of Runbow for some it, reason it, it, in
0: the color scheme. I don't know why.
1: It, it is bright colors. Yeah. Um, but, Maybe that's why. Um, but the art is pretty, so I mean, that is nice. It's not like trying to look like an NES game. It's like trying to look like something more between like a Super Nintendo and an N64 as far as it's like pixel fidelity. But with this game, a part of that everyone is controlling a tank. doesn't matter what tank you control. They all control the same. But holding down one of the shoulder buttons raises your turret. And the longer you hold it, the higher it goes up. If you hold it up all the way, you'll shoot straight up. But you have to time when you let go so that you actually lob the ball over. So aiming is really just like, all right, do I tap tap quickly? Do I hold it for a little bit longer and then let go? And that also increases the power. So if you hold it for about a couple seconds so that it's like a... 50 60 degree angle it's pretty much going to make it all the way across the screen Mm -hmm. on top of that you have a jump button and what's interesting is that if you jump straight up and shoot like that's normal you'll shoot and like the ball will go in that direction but if you jump forward or backwards you actually spin 360 degrees and if you fire while like spinning around you're essentially firing affects your trajectory and pushes you in whatever direction opposite of where you shoot, as it should. With I mean, that's just how physics work. Right. So if you happen to fire while your turret is pointing straight down, um, you will essentially fly, and you could potentially stay in the air as long as you keep lobbying like firing balls in the proper angle, which is pretty cool. It's yeah, it's essentially like giving you like a ton of mobility options. And the last on top of that, if you hold the left shoulder button or just whichever one isn't the right one. Or whichever one doesn't um, fire mm-hmm. um, you essentially make your tire slippery and it stops you from moving but if you fire in any direction you will slide along the ground in the opposite direction so it's the same as moving around in the air but on the ground Right. but what makes it interesting is that you move really fast and if walls have a curved if curve, if, if there's like a curve on the corner of a wall so that you can essentially drive up the wall. Um, you will slide all the way up and just like kind of go really fast around the stage. And this game, you can stick to wall. So if there isn't a curvy, I guess, corner that lets you just smoothly drive up the wall, you can just jump onto the wall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. Like, you
0: know, in layman's terms, how I would describe this game if someone were to ask me, like that's all the mechanics it is. Like 2D um, Mario Galaxy, I guess. No, I would describe it as it's real-time worms meets 2D Rocket League. The wall mechanics, um, like the way you climb around the walls, remind me a lot of Rocket League. And but League. the
1: but the walls in Rocket League, like you're not, you only suck there while you have momentum.
0: That's true. You're, you're stuck this, in these, this you can stay. So yeah, it is more like Galaxy. So yeah. real so, and the, so so the time, Worms meets 2D Galaxy.
1: And and the reason I would also say Galaxy is because um a lot of stages have platforms that you can literally drive around like 360 uh, yeah, degrees. Yeah. Like it's literally like Galaxy. Right.
0: But the but yeah the all the mechanics you're describing with the angle and the precision of shooting and all that is basically like it's literally Worms, but you don't take turns.
1: Yeah, and because it's they, all
0: really fast
1: yeah so i mean it's i mean to just use another comparison it's um tower fall with tanks because that's literally right. another one shot kill but you're instead of a tank and being kind of a little slow you're jumping around and bouncing off walls but this one you're flying around with a tank and sliding up walls so it's really yeah. fun it's like if you need another couch party game then I would definitely recommend it but there's also about there's, 37 others yeah, in this episode you a, check out <laughs> there's a ton of really good ones to pick from so I guess you can't really go wrong yeah it is it's fun. another one you can't go wrong with
0: it is funny because like we played Treadnoughts I think before the influx of this exact genre in the last couple weeks like we played it last like, yeah,
1: yeah. by. honestly yeah. like if I hadn't caught it in that like brief moment where I saw like a few gameplay demos of it and just heard the name I'm like Treadnought, That's what? what is that Yeah, is it, like an astronaut or like oh it's
0: Like uh, I don't know where to wait. No, you literally are because there's no gravity. You're an astronaut in a tank in space. That's the whole. That's it. Are you in space? I assume so. If there's no gravity,
1: I mean, you're in planets that have grass and stuff. So, Uh, but I guess you still explore. I mean, I guess gravity is weird. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's Treadnoughts. I'd recommend it. I want to say it's
0: at least ten bucks. It is exactly ten bucks. I looked it up. All right. Now here's a question, though. So everything about it's multiplayer, right? Yeah. But what is there any single player at all? It's a tutorial. That's it? Yeah. See, that, that's, a, that's the one problem with some of these games, honestly. It's like, it's great as a party game, but what are you doing? There's no party. Well, you just don't play it. Because I assume there's no online either. Because I only play multi- local no. multiplayer with you, so.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't plan on playing it. I mean, it's I'm happy that it's only local multiplayer. That's literally what I just bought it for, so. Yeah. If it doesn't have a campaign, that's fine. There's plenty of other games I could waste my time on, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, and at, at that price, given the quality, because like, there's a lot of levels we you're going through. Oh, yeah. like, it it, it's either a
1: game like your group can spend like a couple hours on, like
0: literally. Right. Easy yeah. Yeah. drinking game too. So yeah. Right, right. We played it as a drinking game yeah. last time I was here. Yeah. But anyway, I think um, I think with that we're all indied out, right? We've talked about. Too many. Yeah, there's so many indies. Yeah, we're, we're indied out, we're talked out, but we'll be back in two weeks' time on uh, September 16th. And in that episode, I probably tell there's going to be even more indies, but more of the uh, indie game impressions and less of the news because we have a whole healthy heaping of them that we're just you know they're just going to start playing basically. So uh, to make sure you don't miss that episode, you can subscribe and follow to us as uh, subscribe to us and follow as always. Uh, we're on every platform you can think of: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc., etc. And on Twitter, you can find us at Ram Nintendo. Uh, you can also follow individually on social media. I am JSR7. Angel Iswero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. And don't forget, of course, we now have a YouTube channel where these are uploaded as well at Random Nintendo RandomNintendoCom. So, that just about does it. We managed to marathon through probably like we didn't talk about 40, but we, we went over the stretch of like 45 different indie games in an hour and 50 minutes or so. That's not bad. So, the Indie Ocelot also- is finally over for now. It'll probably pick right back up in two weeks, but This is your break. This is your moment to absorb the games and pick the ones you want, and we will see you guys in two weeks time. Bye.